<laughs> that is one big pile of shit. Uh, this could be it. We may be in some multiverse where I don't even exist. Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? Yes, yes. Yes, without the use. To take them, take them out, take them down. Do your, do your stuff. Life uh, finds a way. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of The Complete Works Season 2, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Jeff Goldblum. My name is Mike Smith and joining me on this journey into the world according to Jeff Goldblum is my friend, co-host, and fellow Goldblumaniac, Mike DiCrescio. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. I think, I feel like we're sort of hitting a Promised Land movie here this, this episode, even though The Promised Land is really, you know, Jurassic Park, Independence Day, but The Promised Land 2, maybe? <laughs> You promised land 2.0. I mean, when I was, I, I watched this movie with my girlfriend and uh, I made the observation to her that, uh, you know, with this movie that we're talking about, we have reached the last icon in our logo. Uh, we have four Goldblums yeah. in the uh, Jeff Goldblum a Complete Works podcast logo from four different Goldblum movies. And this is the last one to get to. We, we've made it through the entire cycle here. <laughs> We did it. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to shut down. We're not going to do the like eight other movies he has. Uh, <laughs> this is the last episode. Crazy. Yeah, we, we get to skip Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Like we, we did it. <laughs> oh, my God. Hooray. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Oh, yeah. We got to review it for the two scenes that uh, <laughs> Jeff yeah. Goldblum's in. Uh, no, Mike, this week uh, we're talking about a pretty major entry into the uh, modern Goldblum canon. You're right, uh, because this is the week that Jeff Goldblum joined the ever expanding roster of one of the most successful film franchises of all time the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so uh, we don't have to go into the whole history of the MCU here, but we should narrow in on the character of Thor. Between 2011 and 2015, Chris Hemsworth appeared as Thor in four movies. There was Thor, obviously, uh-huh. uh, The Avengers, Thor The Dark World, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, are you, I mean, generally speaking, I guess most people consider The Avengers the best of those movies, right? Yeah, 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 out of those movies for sure. Yeah, uh, but uh, while the MCU boasted breakout characters like Iron Man and Captain America... Never felt like the studio had a very firm handle on what they wanted Thor to be. Is that fair to say, Mike? Yeah, that tracks. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen the first Thor in ages. It feels like. Um, What is phase one anymore? Does anybody remember those movies (laughs) other than Captain America? I mean, Uh, Iron Man is also in there too, Mike. I guess, but yeah, but how often do you just watch Iron Man? But yeah, I I feel like Thor, they kind of were, it feels like he was the other most important character. Like he had to be very important, obviously. He's one of the most powerful people in the Avengers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, But he kind of, there was just like, I don't know, he's a god or whatever. It's basically his whole character. Yeah, well, I remember when he was first introduced. I mean, I will say I'm a, I'm kind of a fan of the first Thor movie. I feel like that one's kind of underrated um, yeah. and one that people tend to dismiss, partially because Thor The Dark World was not that great. It's just uh, so bad. <laughs> I wouldn't go so, so far to say it's so bad, but I think it's definitely like in the bottom tier MCU movies uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but the first Thor sets up the character in this sort of like heightened Shakespearean fantasy kind of world. Uh, right. Hence why they got Kenneth Branagh to direct that movie. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's part of it. And then the second one tries to take this more grounded kind of fantasy approach, kind of Game of Thronesy. Uh, that's sort of the idea that they're kind of doing there. Hence why they got Alan Taylor from uh, Game of Thrones, who directed many episodes of that show, mm. to direct it. 
It's all coming together now. You're sensing a pattern here. Uh, he's a supporting player in the original Avengers, despite the fact that his brother, Loki, is the movie's villain. So you would think Thor would have a bigger role in right. that movie. Uh, and in Age of Ultron, he gets sent on a side quest for a good chunk of that movie that never really makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, right? Yeah. He and goes somebody, in that pool and disappears for the whole movie. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a pretty staunch Age of Ultron defender. I like the movie a lot. I think it's one of the better MCU movies. Uh, and even I'm like, okay, well, Thor stuff is a little weird yeah. <laughs> in that movie. And it is very clearly just there to like kind of shoehorn in and set up sequels and all that kind of stuff. Really setting up this movie actually is kind of right. what they're doing in Age of Ultron. Uh, so I think some of those depictions are successful. I think some aren't, uh, but there really wasn't a ton of consistency to the character. And that really started to wear on Chris Hemsworth a little bit. Uh, reports kind of indicate that he was looking to end his time as Thor. He wanted out. He was like kind of looking wow. to kind of uh, move out of his contract the same way that uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans both kind of, you know, bowed out of their Marvel films. And then in 2015, director Taika Waititi entered the picture for the third Thor movie. Hell yeah. Yes. And at this point, Taika Waititi had just broken out in a big way with the release of his comedy, What We Do in the Shadows, which is now a hit TV series on FX, by the way, which I have not watched the show yet. I've been meaning to for a while, but uh, I have been a big fan of the movie for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched the show either. And then I think also, I I remember my friend telling me that, uh, is it Auckland Paranormal or something? Uh, Oh, well, Wellington Paranormal Paranormal. is the other What We Do in the Shadows spinoff, yes. Yeah, and is available now in the U.S. somewhere on some streaming thing, and I can't remember where it is. So that's exciting, too. Yes, definitely. Uh, apparently, Tegaway Titi blew Marvel away with the sizzle reel he put together when he was pitching the movie uh, to them, uh, which included striking imagery set to Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. And then he got the job against uh, other uh, directors. I know Ross and Marshall Thurber was uh, included in there, who is the director of, I believe, Dodgeball uh, and oh a couple God. of other. I think they were like aiming to go into a more comedy direction with Thor regardless. Uh, right. But Tegaway Titi kind of came in and brought his own voice to it. Uh, in the process, completely upended the character and tone of Thor, redefined what a Thor movie actually is. Uh, this movie takes inspiration from films like Flash Gordon and Big Trouble in Little China. In 2017, Tegaway Titi and Marvel released the most successful movie of the Thor trilogy, Thor Ragnarok. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. Where are we? You have no idea. Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard. Oh, I've missed this. And you and I had a fight recently. Did I win? No, I won easily. Doesn't sound right. Well, that's true. Asgard is dead. And it will be reborn in my image. I thought you'd be glad to see me. I need to stop her here and now. To prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. So I'm putting together a team. Like the old days. Surprise! This will be such fun. Hello. Hi. He's a fighter. Here we go. 
not a queen or a monster. I'm the goddess of death. What were you the god of again? Same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, same. Hulk like fire, mm. Thor like water. Well, kind of both like fire. But Hulk like raging fire, Thor like smoldering fire. <laughs> so, Jeff Goldblum appears in Thor Ragnarok as the Grandmaster, uh, the ruler of planet Sakaar. Uh, his counterpart in the comics is actually the brother of the Collector, uh, who is the character Benicio Del Toro plays in oh. the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. That makes sense. Yeah, kind of weird, uh, a weird thing. They're both like eternally celestial beings, whatever it is. Uh, in the comics, he also has blue skin, uh, which Taika Waititi said he deliberately avoided in this film because Goldblum has already played a character with blue skin before. Do you remember who that is, Mike? Mr. Frost. No. Uh, <laughs> it's a good guess. <laughs> no, Earth Girls are easy. Earth Girls are oh, easy. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's a blue alien, and Earth Girls are easy. And uh, because of that, YTT was like, ah, oh, you know, he's done blue before. We don't want him to go blue again. Uh, and he also didn't want him to, tra- to detract from Goldblum's, like, natural charisma and personality by covering him up with uh, blue face paint. Mm, that makes sense. I like the little homage to that then with, like, the, the eyeshadow and the, yes. like, the little bit of paint he does have. Yeah, the little, like, tuft of paint that he has, like, under his chin and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. In the comic books, the Grandmaster, blue skin, you must have been thrilled when you found out you didn't have to sit in makeup for five hours a day you and know, be covered in blue. That was good news, because I did that in Earth Girls Are Easy. Yeah. I have blue fur and blue skin. And for The Fly, I was in makeup for five hours. Yeah, they did a very artful and interesting job of suggesting a blue thing here or there. Had some blue. You ever have nail polish on or toenail polish on? No, I I don't. Really? No. If we took off your shoe right now, you wouldn't have? I wouldn't, know. You swear right now? 100%. All right. Do you? Have you got any on under there? Recess. I want to take a recess, please. I can't. Uh, you're badgering the witness. You're badgering the witness. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum is here as the Grandmaster, kind of the secondary villain of the movie. Chris Hemsworth, of course, plays Thor, uh, and this is his fifth time playing the character. Tom Hiddleston is back as Loki. Uh, this is his fourth time as the character. And Mark Ruffalo joins the cast of this one as Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. Uh, his fourth time as the character, if you count the post credit scene in Iron Man 3, uh, which is like, you know, th- 30 seconds long. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, we count it here. We, we'll allow that. Also returning from previous MCU movies are Idris Elba as Heimdall, Anthony Hopkins as Odin, Taranobu Asanu as Hogan, Ray Stevenson as Volstagg, Zachary Levi as Fandral. They are the Warriors 3. Benedict Cumberbatch appears as Doctor Strange. Scarlett Johansson appears through archive footage as Black Widow. And Stan Lee, of course, makes a cameo. Uh, this yes. time as the guy who cuts Thor's hair on Sakaar. In the, in the Stan Lee cameo canon, uh, where did this rank for you, Mike? Pretty high, I think, yeah. actually. It's like kind of the most involved <laughs> cameo he has. Like he directly does something to the characters. That's uh, true, yeah. Which I don't think he normally does. Like normally he drives by and yells, fuck you at the army base or whatever in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that Infinity War? That was an end game. That was an end game. End game, yeah. But yeah, I think it's pretty high. I like it. Yeah, I think I think my go-to Stanley cameo, I mean, for the MCU ones, probably Guardians 2, which is where he uh, turns out to be like an agent for the Watchers. Oh my uh, God, I forgot about that. Which is a pretty great one. I also really love his cameo in Spider-Man 3. If we're going outside the MCU, uh, his cameo in Spider-Man 3, he's like, uh, look, he like sees Tobey Maguire on the street and he's like, you know, one person can make a difference. Enough said. And he walks away. And it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand the man. Uh, that's great. Man. I like uh, it. Yeah. Joining the cast this time around is a uh, Kate Blanchett as Hella, the film's villain, uh, which actually makes this a life aquatic with Steve Zizou reunion, Mike. 
That's right. Yeah, which the first thing I think of when I think of Thor Ragnarok is like, oh, yes, the Steve Zissou reunion. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, Tessa Thompson is in this as Scrapper 142, a.k.a. the Valkyrie. Carl Urban appears as Scourge, Hela's henchman. Rachel House, uh, who is in several Taika Waititi movies, plays Topaz, uh, Goldblum's chief enforcer. Taika Waititi himself plays Korg, uh, another gladiator looking to start a revolution. Clancy Brown voices the monster Surter, which actually makes this a Buckaroo Banzai reunion also, Mike. Hell yeah. Wait, yeah. which monster does he voice? Uh, Surter, the uh, one that destroys Ragnarok at the or destroys Asgard at the end. Oh my God. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, which is great. Uh, and in a sequence where Asgardian actors reenact scenes from Thor the Dark World, uh, actor Thor is played by Luke Hemsworth, uh, the brother of Chris Hemsworth, which actually is gives Goldblum like he, he did the full Hemsworth. He did all three with uh, <laughs> two, two in this movie. And then, of course, Liam in uh, Independence Day Resurgence. There it is. <laughs> so the we got full that. Hemsworth. Yeah, the full Hemsworth is what they call it. Uh, the actor Thor is Luke Hemsworth. Actor Loki is played by Matt Damon, uh, which <laughs> I remember seeing that in theaters and like not realizing it was Matt Damon at first because it it yeah. it's like a weird angle that his face is at and everything. But uh, And then actor Odin is played by Sam Neill, which also makes this an unlikely Jurassic Park reunion. <laughs> Never saw that coming. <laughs> uh, also, this isn't a reunion, but uh, technically Anthony Hopkins and Jeff Goldblum have both played the Elephant Man, Mike. Whoa, you're 100% <laughs> correct. Weird, right? Just weird thing to throw in there. <laughs> Wait, does he play the El- Anthony Hopkins is, Anthony, is or, the Elephant Man? Oh, shit. Man? No, you're right. He's John, in Elephant Man. John Hurt is the Elephant Man. Anthony Hopkins is in the Elephant Man. So you're right. Je- Jeff Goldblum played the John Hurt role in the Elephant Man parody in The Tall Guy. Ah, uh, man. <laughs> in the Six Degrees of Elephant Man, they're connected. Ah, exactly. Uh, so Thor Ragnarok was written by Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Christopher L. Yost, all people who have worked on other Marvel stuff in the past, uh, and directed by Taika Waititi, who has said about 80% of the dialogue in this movie was completely improvised. That was his Incredible. approach. To Thor Ragnarok. Uh, this one came out one year after YTT's previous film, Hunt for the Wilder People, which is my favorite of his movies, and two years before his next film, Jojo Rabbit, which won the Oscar for uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, I believe it was. Uh, that was so. a pretty cool thing there. Uh, he will next be returning to the director's chair for Thor Love and Thunder, which is scheduled to be released in July of this year. Thor 4 is coming, uh, and which we'll likely be covering on this podcast if reports that Jeff Goldblum is returning are true. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Thor Ragnarok, was released on November 3rd, 2017 and was a huge hit uh, on a budget of $180 million. The movie ended up making $850 million worldwide. It was the ninth highest grossing film of 2017. Uh, number one was Star Wars The Last Jedi, by the way, in case anybody tries to tell you that Star Wars The Last Jedi was a failure. Nice. <laughs> it was not. Thor obviously opened at number one this weekend. Opening at number two was A Bad Mom's Christmas. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, the, the yin and yang of cinema. Yes. Really right there. Thor Thor Ragnarok and A Bad Mom's Christmas. And uh, Lady Bird actually opened uh, for the first time in limited release uh, at the number 26 spot this weekend. Mm, interesting. Uh, kind of cool to see. The rest of the top 10 included Jigsaw, which was the eighth Saw movie, the return of Saw. Before we got to the book of Saw, uh, mm-hmm. we had to have a Jigsaw. Uh, Boo 2 in Medea Halloween was in there. Geostorm, which is probably a producer Colin favorite, if I had to guess. I would guess, yeah. (laughs) That seems like a Colin movie right there. Uh, Happy Death Day was in the top 10 this week. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Thank you for your service. Only the brave and let there be light. 
Yeah, I'd watch those movies probably. Yeah, there's uh, some good ones in there. I mean, Blade Runner 2049, great movie right there. Yeah. Happy Death Day, very good. Have you seen the Happy Death Days, Mike? I have not, and I, th- I can't believe I haven't because they seem like movies made for me. I think you would really enjoy them. I mean, you watched Freaky, right? Which uh, I did. That's the same filmmaker, and uh, you know, it has similar tonally, I think. You know, Happy mm-hmm. Death Day is a little goofier too, but Freaky was also pretty goofy. So take that for what you will. Uh, honestly, I preferred Happy Death Day to you. I think the sequel was a little okay. bit better, but that also loses some of the horror edge and kind of goes into more of a sci-fi direction. Mm. Fun stuff. Good times. Uh, anyway, the IMDb plot synopsis for Thor Ragnarok reads, Imprisoned on the planet Sakaar, Thor must race against time to return to Asgard and stop Ragnarok, the destruction of his world, at the hands of the powerful and ruthless villain Hela. Now, Mike, before we get into uh, what your overall thoughts of the movie are, we kind of already know because we did cover this movie on a podcast back when it came out in 2017. <laughs> uh, uh, we're, like we talked about, I think that was last week, right? We're the first time that's going to start happening. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I, I think I, I was thinking about it and like, I was wondering, is this the first time we've like re talked about a movie in the podcast? And it's not because we actually did a re-review of Colorado space yes. uh, for the Nicolas Cage season of the podcast. Uh, so we did two episodes of that. Uh, but yeah, I think otherwise, this is the first time that we've full on did a review of a movie on Mike and Mike go to the movies or at that point it was film Bookcast, And now we're covering it <laughs> on the complete works because we reached it at this point. Uh, so I'm curious. I mean, back in 2017, I think you and I were both big fans of this movie. I mean, yeah. we both really, really enjoyed it. And uh, this was hailed at the time as like, oh my God, they like completely saved the Thor series. Like, you know, Chris Hemsworth is a revelation in Thor Ragnarok. Taika right. Waititi is the greatest director ever in cinema history. And, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. You know, there was a lot of hyperbole being thrown around when Thor Ragnarok came out. And of course, that we happened to be in a very good stretch of Marvel movies at that time. Right. Because uh, just looking at like that one year period of 2017 through 2018 uh the five movies that were released uh across like one year like may 2017 through may 2018 guardians 2 spider-man homecoming thor ragnarok black panther infinity war like that's i mean that's probably the best run of movies marvel has ever had for right? sure absolutely yeah <laughs> that's pretty solid right there uh so you know we were pretty high in the marvel train at the time this is before uh you know we really got very cynical about the whole disney enterprise and everything like that uh but we're still pretty into the uh mcu despite your protests uh i'm like i go to the movies mike <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was the beginning well i don't really remember when when we started getting four or movies per year was it here or three movies what did what did they get we, up we, to we were at three movies a year at this point i think this past year was the first time we had four movies a year with 2021 we had black widow shang chi eternals and spider-man so Plus, I mean, several TV shows as well. <laughs> exactly. We hit, we've hit full saturation. I feel like in 2017, uh, we weren't quite there yet. Right. Uh, it was going to be a couple more years of that output of movies. And then now also the TV shows. And here we are. But like you said, I still watch all the things. So like, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny listening to the podcast, like listen back to old episodes or whatever. Cause you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I fuck Disney. I'm not going to, you know, spend my time watching the latest episode of Hawkeye or whatever. And then like two weeks later, I'll be like, Oh, so what do you think of Hawkeye? And you're like, Oh, I watched the whole season. It was great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I didn't come on the show to be attacked. <laughs> No, you came on the show to talk about Thor Ragnarok, Mike, and that is that is what we're doing today. Uh, also want to give a shout out to Sam Harper, who was supposed to be a guest on this episode. He's the host of the Four Minutes 2 podcast. He's a diehard like, MCU guy. He's big into the Marvel comics and stuff. Uh, could have provided a great perspective on Thor Ragnarok, uh, but unfortunately, he couldn't be here today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Last minute, had to cancel. You want a little sick, so I uh, hope you feel better, Sam. Yes, so uh, hopefully we'll have him on in a couple of weeks and he can give his kind of quick Thor Ragnarok thoughts in that episode. Uh, But Mike, what are your overall thoughts on Thor Ragnarok? You know, my overall thoughts is that I know Guardians 2 is your favorite 
Yes, an unpopular MCU. opinion, but uh, Guardians, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2 is uh, the pinnacle of what can be achieved in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I stand by that. I, I mean, that's very fair. That's a movie I haven't rewatched in a long time, probably since it came out. But that said, I, th- I think, honestly, Thor Ragnarok is probably my favorite uh, MCU movie. Okay. And I think, but I think they kind of go together and it's, and it's the same t- type of thing that we we feel when we watch these movies in that sort of, like you said, this is as a tour centric or whatever, as unique a vision as you can get in something like the MCU where it is this kind of by the books, you know, it's a Disney, it's, you're going to have the same formula, but James Gunn and Taika Waititi are both two very visionary directors that have their own imprint on whatever they're making. And then they, are you able to pull through or, or put something out that that you know kind of walks that line between being kind of a rote formulaic action comedy thing, but also having their very own distinct voice? And I think maybe that is a lot of the Taika Waititi doing improv for a lot of the dialogue, and you can kind of feel that in some scenes. And there's the fun, the fun you play that fun game where like, is that laugh Chris Hemsworth breaking, or is that? But it fits perfectly in the scene. Like you yeah. can't really tell the way they edit around all that stuff is is really well, uh, really well done. But yeah, I think I think Thor Ragnarok for me ticks off a lot of the like fantasy D and D nerd pulp fiction kind of like hair metally cool. Just like wouldn't it be fucking dope if? And then dot 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 Thor Ragnarok is the whole movie. Yeah, you know, like that kind of feels like that's the the whole thing. Like he's gonna shoot Hello with the lightning bolt and immigrant song needle drops as he jumps onto the bridge. The yeah. coolest shit that's ever been put on film. You know, and then it's just just that for ninety minutes or whatever, however long this movie is. Also, the Hulk's there. Fuck yeah, I'm yeah. in. Like of like what a what a delightful moment, right? When when the door opens and the, the Grandmaster and champion shows up and it's Hulk. Uh it's so much fun. So yeah, I don't it's just it's just a romp of a good time. Basically, I watched it last weekend with a couple of my friends having some beers at like, you know, four o'clock on Saturday afternoon and Discord together, and it was just like we were hooting and hollering, man. It's still so much fun as many times as we've seen it. Uh it's still fun. And and this feels like for me, this is one of those movies that I think it was on Netflix for a really long time, you know, before Disney Plus. Is it still? It's I guess it's off now. It's, it's on Disney Plus now, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I have it on Blu-ray myself. Nice. Yeah. What, what was one of those things where you're just like, oh, whatever, I got a half hour to kill or, you know, an hour or whatever. I got nothing going on right now. I'll watch some of Thor Ragnarok. I don't know. It's fun. Kind of whatever part it, you put on. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my take is, you know, reactions to Thor Ragnarok. Also, I guess, listen to our film book episode and see what we thought in 2017. I feel like it's probably the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll be covering a lot of the same same points, but with a, with an additional perspective as the years have gone on, Mike. You know, now we've seen, you know, how the MCU has evolved since Thor Ragnarok and right. all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I really like Thor Ragnarok. I think it's great. I think it's a I think it's easily the best Thor movie. Uh, it's a very fun ride. Uh, it delivers something that I think is different to the MCU. Uh, it's got a very cool synthy score from uh, mm-hmm. Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo, which is great, uh, and it just kind of completely reinvigorates the character of Thor. And I remember watching this and being like, I'm excited. To, like when Thor Ragnarok came out, there was still a lot of talk about like, well, is Chris Hemsworth going to leave? Cause like at that point, Avengers Endgame was two years away. Right. We knew, right. we knew there was going to be an Avengers three and four. We didn't even know what their names were yet at the, yet at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we knew they were going to involve Thanos and all that kind of stuff. And we knew that uh, it likely meant the end for some of these characters. And we specifically for uh, Captain America and Iron Man, Downey Jr. and uh, Chris Evans, uh, because they had like been very vocal about like wanting to be done, like their contracts yeah. are coming up. And uh, Chris Hemsworth had previously also been kind of lumped in with those guys, being like, okay, well, they did three Captain Americas, they did three Iron Mans, they did a few Avengers movies, and now they're done. And now, hey, we've done three Thors. 
he'll do a few Avengers movies and now he'll be done. And then when Thor Ragnarok came out, it was like, they completely like changed this character so much for the better. This is a guy that we want to see a whole new trilogy of movies. about, Right. <laughs> yeah. Which, which makes the, his character development in, uh, infinity war and Endgame that much more like annoying. The more I've thought about it and the longer time has gone on where really? it's like, what if he just goes back to being the same Thor? <laughs> Fuck man. I don't know. I feel, I feel like when you, when you watch those movies, it is like, um, they, I think they do a lot, especially in infinity war, uh, and Infinity War, I, I think, is a great time. I don't think it's a great movie necessarily because it doesn't really stand on its own as a narrative. Like you need yeah. to, you need to have seen eighteen other movies in order to really <laughs> comprehend <laughs> Avengers: Infinity War, like in its fullest extent. Endgame, I think, honestly works better as a standalone, despite the fact that it's a part two to right. Infinity War. It's just a weird thing. Um, but I think, I think with those movies, I think they do take care to like you know, be consistent with the characterization that they've kind of established in previous films. But it is also kind of this constantly moving machine. And I'm sure Thor, like Thor Ragnarok and Infinity War must have been filming like back to back or overlapping with each other in some capacity. Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine like, because I remember hearing stories about uh, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel and how she actually shot and her scenes in Endgame before she shot Captain Marvel. Um, wow. And so when you see her in Endgame, they haven't even like fully formed what the character was going to be yet. <laughs> right? That's she, wild. She didn't have her own solo movie yet, so they didn't really crack what the performance was going to be. You can kind of make the excuse like, well, it's like 20 years later, so like her character has changed a little bit. But like it feels like a little bit different than what she was doing in Captain Marvel the movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, it was just mostly the like, you know, he, he loses an eye, Thor, and his hammer is gone. Right. And it's all about his people. And, and then it's just like, well, what if he's fat, though? Um, also give him his eye back and give him his hammer back. And it's like, okay, I guess. Uh, also he's fat. Like that's the whole, his whole character for two movies, which is annoying. Um, oh, for one movie, he's, he's not fat in infinity war. Uh, I, like, he, he gets fat in Endgame. Oh yeah. Who the hell? Uh, they're just one big mush of movie in my brain at this point. <laughs> I've been meaning to rewatch. I, I did like, uh, end up rewatching like the first hour of Endgame a while back. Like I think when I was in New York and I had like an hour to kill, I just like put on Endgame. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I got like pretty sucked into it. Like I, I, I was like, and it was the first time I'd like watched any of it since theaters. And I was like, ah, this is, this is pretty good. This is, yeah. this is solid. Uh, but I remember, I feel like with the Thor gaining weight storyline, like that was, you know, built into the depression, uh, that he felt from like, you know, feeling that he should have been like killed Thanos when he had the chance and missed right. it. He felt like he failed the entire world, the entire universe. And, you know, like the entire universe is on Thor's shoulders and he failed and like, you know, had to get out of that depressive funk and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember there was a lot of acclaim around the, uh, the Thor gaining weight storyline. Like people were really into that. I don't know where you heard that. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think if we went back to our Avengers Endgame episode, probably that, that we sure. recorded for Film Bookcast, I feel like I was on the fence about it, and I'm pretty sure you were like, "This is great." Like this. Is <laughs> but <laughs> also, remember. but also, when we did that episode, uh, we did a Marvel ranking, and you listed Avengers Endgame as your number one of the MCU, if you recall correctly. I too. think I do recall that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which, which I think was partially based on like you had just seen it like probably once or twice, and you were like, "I'm all like, this is incredible! Like, what a great conclusion!" Uh, and all that kind of stuff. And so now, now I think you've cooled off on Endgame a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think just in uh, the, the the cooling off on the MCU in general, uh, broadly, as I continue to watch everything. Yeah, it's kind of more. I mean, yeah. I think I think Endgame is like if you're talking about like a, as an achievement is the best one. Like we like you know the 27 movie, 22 movies, whatever many it is. Right. But I think the of movies that I could just watch the most, it's Thor Ragnarok. That's fair. That's fair. And I think I'm with you with uh, Thor Ragnarok. And when you talk about uh, you know the way 
that the uh, the movies, the, the MCU movies that tend to have like, you know, a director's voice behind them are the ones that I tend to really latch onto the most, which is why Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is my yeah. favorite of the entire series because it is really just like they let James Gunn go wild on that one. And it's like fully a James Gunn movie, almost as much as like The Suicide Squad is later, which is also like fully a James Gunn movie. Maybe he's playing more into his like, you know, old trauma tropes and stuff. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but so that's got that going for it too. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, with uh, Black Panther and Ryan Coogler or Shane Black and Iron Man, and three or even you know joss whedon bad guy now but like when joss whedon entered the mcu him being in the avengers was like oh this is a really distinctive voice that's like shaping this movie and like making it better and then as mcu went on every movie like took influence from joss whedon's voice and now it feels very samey that yeah. uh you know because it everybody every character has that like whedon-esque kind of quip to it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that kind of like snarky dialogue uh, that Whedon was very well known for, for Buffy and Firefly and stuff. And now it feels like every movie has to have that because the Avengers was so successful. Yes. It's, it, it felt very fresh at the time. And I feel like people forget about that when it was like, oh man, this is like, you know, this felt like funny that superheroes are quipping next to each other and stuff like that. And now it just feels like, okay, now every one of these characters sounds the same in every movie <laughs> and yeah. not just in the MCU and like most of blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember if it's in that or actually in, in Age of Ultron where there's a, it's a joke where Captain America walks by like just walks across the frame and says one line of like says one joke and keeps going. And I can't remember what it is. I think, at you're, all. Think, I think you're thinking of age of Ultron uh, when <laughs> as somebody who is a pretty big age of Ultron fan, I think you're thinking of age of Ultron when they're talking about uh, it's like right after the vision has been born and they're like kind of hatching a plan as what to do with Ultron. Yes. And Tony's like, okay, so I'll distract him and vision like walks by. It's like, yeah, he hates you the most or whatever. Like, yes. I think that's exactly that, it. that's yeah. what you're thinking of. <laughs> Yeah, and it's that for 20 movies uh, now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that that has been like the definitive thing and that, you know, has its strengths, it has its drawbacks, but with these uh, films that I'm talking about with like Black Panther and Thor and uh, Guardians and Guardians 2 and, you know, these movies that have these, uh, you know, well-known directors who are also, generally speaking, writers as well, so they kind of infuse their own voice to it. These are directors who I think have their own voice, but they're voices that fit within the Marvel machine, within the larger Marvel universe that they create. Uh, and I think when you take something like Eternals, uh, which I don't think you've watched yet, Mike. No. Cause that, is it on Disney Plus yet? I think it is on Disney Plus now. Yeah, so okay, you, so you, I can steal it. You could probably, yeah, exactly. Uh, you, can, <laughs> you can watch it now. It's an interesting watch. Um, I mean, I know people who have like really loved it, and I know people who have like despised it, like really hated the movie. It is directed by Chloe Zhao, who directed Nomadland and The Writer. Uh, recently, won Best Picture at the Oscars for Nomadland. You know, right. like she won Best Director and everything. But those are all very small scale. The budget of those movies is like, you know, a one hundredth of the catering budget for Eternals, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, with non-actors. And exactly, stuff. yeah. Like the biggest star she's worked with is Frances McDormand, who is, uh, you know, a very well-known actress, but like not somebody who's like a big commercially like viable person. Yeah. Like, you know, if you put Frances McDormand as the star of a Marvel movie, which would rule, by the way. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> um, like I, I, that wouldn't like bring the people out just because of that, you know? <laughs> Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back they in. They pulled me back in. What if the tragedy in Macbeth was a Marvel movie in disguise? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she she's somebody who had worked in these very small projects and then like, jumped into Eternals, which is arguably the biggest, most cosmic thing that uh, Marvel Studios has ever done. It was like one of the biggest swings they've ever taken uh, with like these completely unknown characters, which they've done before, um, but usually like infuse their own like kind of snappy style to it or whatever. And this felt like, it's Chloe Zhao's like auteur sensibilities, like fighting against Marvel's, uh, you know, house sensibilities mm. and like those things like clashing against each other. And like what results is 
kind of a mess, but I think a fascinating one. Um, so okay. it is an interesting watch, um, but it's not nearly as successful as something like Thor Ragnarok is basically. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it's, it's pretty wild. I like, I hope that doesn't discourage Marvel from trying to let, well, uh, do they let people have voices? I don't know. I guess they do sometimes. It, uh, yeah, like I mean, we're talking I think, about, but. I think they do. I, I think when they've like proven themselves successful, they do is also right. the thing with like with James Gunn. If you watch the first Guardians of the galaxy movie, um, it feels like, you know, James Gunny, right. But it also mm-hmm. has that, like, you know, a pretty formulaic approach to its storytelling and stuff. Uh, and, you know, it, despite the fact that like when it was sold, when it was being sold, it was like, oh, this is like the weird MCU movie. Um, but it's like a pretty standard hero's journey thing. Like most of these yeah. movies <laughs> tend to be, uh, but then guardians too, it's James Gunn going nuts. Uh, and I'm really hoping that, uh, Thor love and thunder is also take away TT going nuts. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's yeah. the hope. Uh, cause Thor Ragnarok was such a huge success for them. Yeah. I mean, He's doing, uh, you know, Jane as Thor. So, like, that's huge. I'm down. Know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was going to be awesome, I hope, I assume, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to Thor, Love, and Thunder, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. I mean, the reports are saying that Jeff Goldblum is in the movie. I would imagine it's a cameo, because I, I can't imagine how he'd fit in the story after Thor Ragnarok, you know? Yeah. But he's also played the character a few times now, uh, which is the thing. Uh, like, he has... The main character role in Thor Ragnarok, he's one of the secondary antagonists, but he also popped up in a short film that Taika Waititi filmed uh, that's on the Blu-ray of Thor Ragnarok called Team Daryl, uh, which I think we'll talk about that in a second. But he's in that. He pops up in an episode of What If uh, as the Grandmaster, right. which is a lot of fun. I think there was something else that he did uh, as the character, too. But uh, yeah, he pops up in a few things. Oh, the the end credit scene of Guardians Galaxy 2, which uh, oh, he's not in an actual he's not an actual scene in Guardians 2. Um, but if you're watching the credits, which Guardians, oh, yeah, yeah. Guardians 2, best movie, also the best credits uh, of yes. any Marvel movie, because it, there's five post credit scenes in that movie. Most of them are jokes. Uh, and there's like a big dance party happening during the credits as they're scrolling. And so different characters are popping up in bubbles uh, as this like David Hasselhoff song is playing. Right. Uh, and one of them happens to be Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster, like a few months before Thor Ragnarok was released. Yeah, I mean, that that's the things get things get real weird in this section of the MCU. Uh, like yes. that, that five movie run you talked about like we got a little loosey-goosey here which is very fun um and yeah i was trying to remember like where he ends up but because technically like the end of the post-credit scene in ragnarok is kind of like inconclusive you know yeah you don't don't find out you don't find out what happens to him but it seems like something bad's about to happen to him right there for sure yeah (laughs) unless you count team daryl as canon in which case uh (laughs) True. I guess he's just hanging out on Earth. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's that. But um, I think I don't. I don't think Marvel would would want would let Jeff Goldblum slip through their fingers like that. You know? No. Yeah. And he's, he's become such a Disney meme. You know, for lack that's of a true. better word. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, he's got his own Disney Plus TV show. Exactly. Uh, that they're just going to try to get him into everything. I think Jeff Goldblum became the new Stan Lee in the Marvel universe. Oh my god! <laughs> just as the Grandmaster, that would be incredible. I would be that so would down rock. for that. That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, and I also just a. Uh, like a quick kind of side note too. I also appreciate that Taika Waititi has still been making other movies too, because I think a lot of times with these filmmakers, and I think this has happened to James Gunn where like he got into the superhero game and he hasn't gotten out of it yet. You know, (laughs) he's been, he's been doing, he did guardians and then he did guardians two, Then got fired off guardians two, and then got hired for the suicide squad. And then he shot all of peacemaker (laughs) Right. Or, or he wrote all of Peacemaker and shot like five of the episodes. Uh, and now he's jumping back in for Guardians 3 and also like a Guardians holiday special. Uh, and, you know, he'll be doing Peacemaker season two probably and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as much as I really enjoy all this James Gunn superhero stuff, I would love to see him do something like Slither again. You know, Sl- right. Slither rocks, Super rocks. I would love to see any of that kind of stuff. And uh, I like that Takeaway Titi has been like, he did Thor Ragnarok. And then, uh, I mean, in, in between the time of him like getting hired for Thor Ragnarok and releasing what we do in the shadows. 
He did what we found for the Wilder people. Uh, and then he used the success of Thor Ragnarok to do Jojo Rabbit. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's also got this other movie coming out called Next Goal Wins, which is like this uh, soccer movie starring Michael Fassbender. So I like that uh, Taika Waititi has taken that, like, you know, really one for me, one for them kind of approach with, uh, with the Marvel movies. Yeah, and he's, uh, you know, he's a favorite. So I'm excited for anything that he's making basically now. So hopefully he gets to continue doing his own weird little thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. But all right, so uh, let's talk about Jeff Goldblum in this movie, Mike. We're already running way long in this episode. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, let's try to rein it in. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is in Thor Ragnarok, and uh, he is at his Goldblumiest in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> so what do you think of Jeff Goldblum in this movie, Mike? I mean, I feel like this is kind of the birth of the modern conception of one Jeff Goldblum, right? Like, this is where he, what's that, that emancipation of one Harley Quinn? Um, <laughs> uh, is is this, is this this, this whole kind of, uh, you know, the, the schmaltzy Jeff Goldblum stuff that we've been seeing for the last uh, 78 episodes. But I feel like it's kind of coming into the mainstream again for a third time, which is wild. Uh, yeah. And now he's going to do this for a while. Although, I don't know, we, I haven't seen him, you know, uh, uh, in Dominion, whatever the last, the new uh, Jurassic World. So the, the one that hasn't come out yet? Correct, yeah. Yeah, that's Jurassic World Dominion, which is scheduled to be released in June, like a month before Thor Love and Thunder. So a couple of wow. big Goldblum things back to back. Yeah, and I hope he dances in the credits of Dominion as, as Grand, the Grandmaster. Grandmaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, we haven't seen his performance in that, which feels like it might be the kind of most traditional role that we've seen from him in a long time. You know, it's Ian Malcolm again. Uh, right. His, his two lines of dialogue in Jurassic Fallen Kingdom doesn't count, I don't think. Right. So we'll see what that ends up being. But I feel like kind of in between those two movies, I'm not really sure. He feels he's, he's, he's kind of leaning into the meme thing. He's got the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Yep. So it's it's definitely an interesting, interesting way for Goldblum to somehow get back into the popular consciousness. Yeah, and I think, you know, compare him to Nicolas Cage, the uh, subject of our previous season on this podcast. And, uh, mm. you know, we've talked about this before, but, like, Cage became a meme sometime in the mid-2000s, right? Like, he, yeah. like, went around the, around the time the Wicker Man came out is really when it kind of got birthed. But, uh, you know, people started looking back at Vampire's Kiss and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it became, like, a thing where people would share Nicolas Cage clips and all that kind of stuff. But Cage didn't really lean into the meme all that much uh, for most of his career until kind of recently. Yeah, <laughs> you know? with the... Uh unbearable weight of massive talent he did he's doing that uh, unbearable weight of massive talent but also history of swear words which was uh, yes, that's on right. netflix too and you know so now now he's sort of like kind of revealing that he's in on the joke uh, of nicholas cage a little bit uh which yeah. is interesting but goldblum i feel like has played into that much more throughout his career and uh you know especially in these last few years has kind of embraced that meme worthy status uh so to speak and so now when he pops up in like thor ragnarok and especially you see him in like like this, the previous year he was in Independence Day Resurgence, uh, and right. I, I think he's pretty good in that movie. He's fun, um, but this is just like, you know, Goldblum at eleven. You know, this is <laughs> this is him going nuts, like really given the chance to like completely embody this like totally new character that very much feels like if anybody other than Jeff Goldblum played this version of the character, it would not work at all. Yeah, and there's one moment in particular which I'll highlight. I guess when we go through the movie, that I was like, if this wasn't Jeff Goldblum, I don't think this joke works. Interesting. Uh, but I guess, although I guess we've sort of been talking about this throughout, you know, Pittsburgh, his uh, Tim and Eric appear, even though we didn't talk about the show, appearances, right. but he was on Tim and Eric. He's done this before where he's yes. just himself uh, in comedy things. You know, right. Running, doing running, doing Chef Goldblum very much kind of leaning into the meme kind of thing there, too. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's someone that has always like had his finger on the pulse of like the kind of underground comedy version of himself. 
And now he's just doing that in an MCU movie. <laughs> yes, which is wild. Uh, yeah. And I think, yeah, the idea to turn the Grandmaster, who in the comics is like, I've, I've read, you know, I, I've talked about this. I think I might go to the movies in the past, but uh, I have a Marvel Unlimited subscription. Years ago, I took, I took it upon myself to be like, you know what? I'm going to read them all from the beginning, uh, which takes a long time. <laughs> Turns out there's a lot of Marvel comics. Turns out, yeah. So the, the first Marvel comic, uh, you know, of the modern age or whatever, if you want to call it, the original Fantastic Four, number one, right? Which was in mm. 1961. Uh, and since then, I have read every major Marvel comic from 1961 through 1974. So about like 13 years worth of comics. And I have seen the Grandmaster pop up a couple of times in that run. He popped up as like an Avengers villain for a few issues here and there. Uh, and from what I remember of those comics, he's very different than what uh, Goldblum does <laughs> in this movie. You know, he's like fairly standard, you know, giant evil god villain type thing. Uh, yeah. I think he like take kidnaps the Avengers and forces them to like play out games for his amusement or something like that uh, okay. is like the idea of it. Uh, so kind of similar in like conception of like, you know, just wants to have a good time or whatever. Like that, that's kind yeah, of what Goldblum is doing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like a Roman Coliseum kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think turning the Grandmaster into this like hedonistic narcissist is a very funny decision. I think Goldblum plays into it really well. He takes his own personality. He dials it up. Uh, he's dressed in golden robes. He's hosting orgy parties. I mean, this yeah. is a great. This is a great time. It's a great role. I mean, this must have been such a great role to get your teeth stuck into because he's over the top and eccentric, but at the same time, he's a nasty piece of work. Well, you know, he's been around for four billion and some years, so I think sometimes my I'm a little bit, I see people come and go, and I love them, I'm very interested in them, and I play games, of course, and I can, I have many superpowers, and I'm immortal, so I'm not as sentimental, maybe, or as, as you know, life comes and goes anyway, and, you know, and I like things the way I like them, and <laughs> I'm a little self serving it's true yeah he doesn't like the prisoners with jobs which is an incredible <laughs> line yes uh that's great yeah i mean he's just a very like goofy presence uh throughout the movie uh that never really feels like an actual threat even though he's sort of like the secondary villain <laughs> of yeah. the movie he, you know? he feels like he's just in the way not necessarily an outright villain kind of yeah which is what which is sort of the thing i think you know with uh hella being the main villain, I, I honestly think she's shortchanged a little bit. And I think, you know, the stuff on Asgard is a little bit like, okay, like the, the really fun stuff is happening on Sakaar. We like, we're, we're doing Asgard yeah. because there's a plot to this movie, but like, we got to go back to Sakaar for the fun stuff. Uh, yeah. But it also sort of, it sort of makes sense in a balancing kind of way where it's like Hela's plotline is so dark at uh, about how, you know, her, her and Odin, like, murdered and colonized uh like right. due to colonialism throughout the realms but like what if what if wacky jeff goldblum was here and also you know like we got to balance out that very dark heavy stuff with the co brightly colored comedy stuff that's fair I, I do think it is a little bit uh especially in the first act of the movie or so it does detract from it a little bit before thor arrives in sakaar and everything yeah because uh, it just feels like it's like bouncing around to a lot of different things and especially in that first like few minutes um, it's kind of just trying to tie up all the loose ends from Thor of the Dark World really fast. <laughs> yeah, it definitely <laughs> suffers a little bit from that like 
this is a sequel f- from a long franchise that we have to answer questions about. Right. Uh, so like the opening scene in the movie, which we'll talk about incredible. Like I, I think yes. the, the opening with Thor on that like lava planet where he's fighting Surtur and the dragon and all that stuff. That shit is straight out of a D and D unbelievable. Like it sets the tone for this movie so perfectly. It's like one of the best scenes in the entire Marvel cinematic universe. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, and then after that you have like, you know, Thor kind of bumbling around Asgard for a bit and then he's on earth and then he's in Scotland or whatever. And then, you know, and hella shows up. And it's like everything happens so quickly and you never get like a time to breathe. Like Steve, Doctor Strange pops up for like a one and a half minute cameo. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, that one wide shot of, of Thor flying away from the dragon is like, you know, mm. a rush cover album. Like, yes, <laughs> or some shit. <laughs> uh, it's incredible. And yeah. And then it's just kind of like once Hela shows up and like this movie can actually start. Uh, it's awesome. I think. You know? Yeah. Fair enough. So how, how do you think this role as the grandmaster fits into the roles that Goldblum has played so far, Mike? Um, I kind of had a little bit of a hard time. I haven't really thought of a specific role that it feels like because it is. It's a tough it, one. <laughs> it's sort of like the kind of like the birth of the new Goldblum era is kind of here. So it feels pretty unique as far as like what his performance is. So I'm more, I don't know. That's, I don't really, I didn't really have a connection. What did, what did you come up with? That's fair. I, I do remember when this movie was coming out and he's, and he pops up in the trailer, I think like once or twice. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing that and being like, Jeff Goldblum is it? Like I was so excited that Jeff Goldblum was in Thor Ragnarok, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. and like could see like what he was doing and what they, what the movie seemed to be doing. It just seemed so perfect. And yeah, it worked out. YTT has mentioned a few different eighties movies as inspiration for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, and I haven't seen him specifically mention this one, but I think it is tonally very similar to the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 I feel like of any movie that Goldblum has been in, that is the closest to Thor Ragnarok that he has done (laughs) in his entire career. You know, that's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. Like the, the serialized science fiction, kind of crazy flash Gordon of it all. uh, Right. Fits between both movies. Yeah. Also, another Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou connection. <laughs> they reference Buckaroo Banzai in the end credits. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, they, should, back they should have done that for Thor Ragnarok also. How cool right? would that have been? Yeah. What if that was the post credit scene for Thor Ragnarok? Inst- instead of the Thanos ship arriving, they yeah. just had the entire cast do the walk from Buckaroo Banzai with the score from Buckaroo Banzai. In the LA River? Yeah, that would have rocked. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, unfortunately, they did not do that. Maybe they'll do it for Love and Thunder. Like that's, Maybe. you know, fingers crossed that's what happens. Uh, also, just want, I, I kind of, you know, saw like a pattern with some movies, but uh, Goldblum been in a few alien movies at this point now. True. Uh, yeah, he's you know? always been involved in genre, you know, whatever yeah, it might be. Exactly. Dating back to the 70s with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, and then, of course, it's Buckaroo Banzai, Earth Girls Are Easy, and the two Independence Days. And now you got Thor Ragnarok. There it is. Yeah, well, well, there it is. Uh, all right, so uh, let's start running the movie down, scene by scene, really uh, kind of break down Thor Ragnarok. So uh, like we were saying, Mike, that opening scene with uh, Thor and Surtur, and it kind of starts off with this like voiceover from Thor, and uh, immediately Chris Hemsworth just sounds so different as Thor than he has in the previous few MCU movies, right? Because mm-hmm. Thor, up to this point, has had this kind of like grandeur to his tone, you know? He's like, yeah. you know, Loki's brother of Thor, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, now, and he opens this movie with his voiceover being like, oh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, Thor's in a cage. What do we do? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's just a, it's almost like a jarring <laughs> just, like, yeah. thing to get used to for a minute um, because he's doing something so different than uh, what he has kind of been previously established in the universe. And I feel like, with the MCU, with this universe that is so obsessed with its own continuity, that's a pretty drastic change for them. That's a good point. And it, and it like winks at breaking the fourth wall, right? Cause he says, he's like, I know it seems like he's addressing the audience and then it's revealed. He's talking to a skeleton. Yes. Um, but it's like, Whoa, they don't do that in these movies. They're like they would never, um, <laughs> so far. Perish the thoughts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
and yeah, it it does feel like a very it it establishes very as immediately like what this movie is going to be doing or like the tone of this movie versus previous Thor movies versus previous Marvel movies. And then like the scene right after that, the moment when he falls down the chain and he's talking to Sartre or whatever. And then as he spins and he's like, Oh wait, hold on. And they, we just stop the scene to wait till he spins facing the right way again. Yep. Uh, hilarious. One, two, uh, it's establishing, you know, the, we're, we're doing weird shit here in this movie. It's going to be a funky, funky little romp. Yeah, exactly. This is a, this is a quirkier MCU movie than you're used yeah. to. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it has the scene with Thor and Surtur. Surtur is this like giant fire monster with this big crown, and you know, like they, they are talking about Ragnarok, and Thor is like kind of establishing that, like you know, in the two years since Age of Ultron has happened, he's been kind of searching for these Infinity Stones, didn't come up with anything, um, but he's been having these visions of like Asgard being destroyed, and Surtur is always in those visions, so he's you know having having to kind of reckon with that essentially. Yes. Yeah, and I want to I want to interrupt here for a second to talk about Team Daryl or ask about Team Daryl. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. What wasn't there another one of these that's about Thor? Yeah, so Team Thor came first, and uh, thank, thank you for bringing okay. those up because I forgot to to mention it before. Um, so Team Thor came out first, uh, and uh, for those who don't know what this is, Team Thor. There were two of these Team Thor shorts, and then there was Team Daryl. Um, basically, while they were making Thor Ragnarok, Taika Waititi and some of the cast of these of this movie did this like mini what we do in the shadow style mockumentary short right. <laughs> um, featuring these characters as these actors or at these actors as these characters. Uh, and so team Thor established, uh, was basically like, you know, with all the marketing around Captain America civil war in 2016, the whole thing was like, are you team cap or team iron man? Right. Right. Uh, and so after the movie came out, uh, they released over the summer, Team Thor, which was this like three minute short that showed uh, what Thor was doing while they were doing Civil War, Uh, because obviously Chris Hemsworth was busy filming uh, Thor Ragnarok. He wasn't in Civil War at all. Uh, And so Team Thor establishes that uh, Thor has been living in uh, New Zealand uh, with his new housemate, Daryl, and they've just been hanging out in a flat together. Uh, And it's very funny. It's like very, and it it was the first like indication of like what they were going to do with Thor Ragnarok, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know? mm -hmm. Um, And so they did Team Thor. They did a sequel to it. Um, and I think both of those are included on the Doctor Strange Blu-ray because Doctor Strange is the movie that was coming out at that time, basically. Yeah, yeah, like, That's yeah. just like the timing of it. Uh, and then when the Thor Ragnarok Blu-ray came out, they did another one called Team Daryl. And in this one, Daryl, Thor's roommate, has moved to Los Angeles and is now his new roommate is Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? So it takes place after the events of Thor Ragnarok and Jeff Goldblum has like been kicked off of his car and he has a new plan to conquer Earth. Uh, and it's just him and Daryl hanging out for about six minutes. Uh, and it's a delight. It's really great. <laughs> I come from Sakar. It's a haven for lost things. That sounds kind of poetic, but it's really kind of a catch-all place. And uh, now, without boring you with the details, I had formerly, and for a rather long period of time, um, a uh, an assistant slash bodyguard named Topaz. Uh, and uh, now, uh, you know, I'm looking for a new assistant, and you know who f- seems to fit the bill just perfectly, believe it or not, is Daryl. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Loved every second of it. And, uh, I wonder still how much of that is just Jeff Goldblum as himself. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even even more so than uh, Thor Ragnarok. Like, you can tell how much like all these shorts are like almost entirely improvised too. Yeah, uh, where they're just kind of making stuff up as they go along and having a lot of fun with it. Uh, one of my favorite like bits in the Team Thor is uh you know Thor is like teaching his school children about the Avengers or whatever and mm-hmm. it's like okay and do you know who this guy is and all the kids go Vision it's like I'm surprised you know who that was and <laughs> <laughs> you know all that there's he has like his hammer in like a little bed that like is 
<laughs> next Amazing. to his bigger bed, uh, which is great. Uh, and yeah, and Team Daryl, uh, Jeff Goldblum is like trying to conquer the world, and he creates this like you know he sh- makes Daryl film like a YouTube video of him like explaining to Earth that he's being conquered, but like it gets one view, and it's them watching it. And yeah. he's like, oh, well, re- why don't you refresh the page and see see maybe if it updates the view count? And it's like now it's at two views. And it's like ah oh, hey hey we're getting somewhere. It's like well that's that's also still us. We watched it twice now. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite bit is uh, after after Grimaster melts Doug or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> melts the friend when they try to yep. make the band. Uh, and they like, well, okay, let's pretend that I'm calling Doug's parents to tell them that we me- he's melted. And he's like, <laughs> turns it into like a phone sex thing. Like, what are you wearing, Mrs. Doug? Uh, very fucking funny. Yes, classic stuff. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen Team Daryl, it is on the Thor Ragnarok Blu-ray. And actually, it's on YouTube right now. Uh, yeah. So people can watch it that way too. But uh, yeah, definitely worth checking that out. Uh, but back to Thor Ragnarok. Uh, you get this opening scene with Thor and Surtur. They talk for a minute, uh, you know, with all the spinning around and all that kind of stuff. And then this giant battle breaks out. And like yeah. all these like undead demons of Surtur are attacking Thor. And Thor brings his hammer in there. And, you know, it's very cool. And uh, Immigrant Song kicks in, um, yeah, which is like one of one of the best needle drops uh, in like modern blockbuster <laughs> history, Correct. which is so wild because this is like, it's almost like a cliche song to play but it's at the same time so perfect for a thor movie you know yeah 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 i mean it's all full of like norse mythology imagery that whole song um and it just fucking shreds and it's also and it's also very rare for led zeppelin to license out their music too which i think is also part of the appeal of this like i think weirdly i think uh shrek the third had immigrant song in it um Oh my god! But I'm not sure if it was the Led Zeppelin version. You know, oh, I, I, I see. Yeah. I think it might have been like a cover version of it. I do remember, and uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo also had immigrant song in it, but it was also a cover version. It was the right, opening was credits, and it was Trent like the Trent Reznor, Karen O uh, version, which is a really cool version. Um, but this is like you know the legit Led Zeppelin immigrant song, and it comes in, and it's just this awesome thing that scores this battle. And as the song is playing, and Thor is being chased by a dragon, and that shot, it's uh, incredible. Like it sets the tone for this movie so perfectly. Yeah, I think it's some of the best action, like this whole movie is some of the best action in the MCU. And particularly, I mean, right off the bat in this fight, when Thor throws his hammer and it like goes in a circle and the camera just yeah. is like, I don't know, focused or it's like following the, it's like following the hammer, right? It's like, yeah, fixed, it's fixed on the hammer, fixed on the hammer as it just goes through this crowd of zombies and destroys all of them and yep. then goes back to Thor. It's the coolest fucking shit. An immigrant song is on 11 and then a dragon shows up and you're like, hell yeah, I'm in, um, <laughs> yeah. paint this on the side of my van. Uh, yes, kind of vibes. I, mo, mo, there are not enough dragons in modern fiction, Mike. Correct. That's what I'm saying. That there are, there should be a dragon in every house and a chicken in every pot. You know, that's <laughs> these Bring are the back things. Of fire. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's weird thing. I mean, Game of Thrones gave us our dragon fix for a while, but they would always like, they would kind of like tease the dragon doing cool stuff for a while, right? They would yeah. say, because they would have to say, the, conserve the budget and like save the dragon for like, yo, know, when you really need it in the ending of the season or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, until you get kind of get to the end of the show and suddenly the dragon's in every episode because they had unlimited money to deal yeah. <laughs> to deal with. More dragons should be in things. That's, that's, the, that's the hill I'm going to die on. I like it. And you then know, we get Carl Urban with one of the funniest things that I still say all the time, which is just behold my stuff. Uh, is beautiful. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Like, absolutely incredible. Yes. So, uh, yeah, back in Asgard, Carl Urban is uh, guarding the Bifrost, right? Or the Rainbow yes. Bridge? Or, yeah, yeah, okay, the Bifrost. Bifrost. 
It's Rainbow Road from Mario Kart, right? Mario that's, what Kart. He's guard- yeah. that's what he's guarding. Um, yeah, he's guarding the Bifrost, and Thor is calling to him, and he's not answering, and he uh, finally hears him, and you know he brings him back, and uh, you know Thor gets picked up, and also the dragon's head gets picked up too. So yeah. like all of it kind of comes like crashing down into uh, the throne room, or not the throne room, but like the uh, the entrance way that Heimdall usually guards, and Scourge right. is like watching it, and you know Scourge is like kind of trying to impress these like two like Asgardian chicks who are there. Yeah. Uh, and he's like showing them his like guns, like he has like these machines. Machine guns he took from Earth, and he's like, I call them destroy because you put it together, they destroy. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, and then Thor shows up, and uh, you know, the dragon's head comes through, and Scourge and the two girls get covered in like this dragon goo. And then, uh, and then we're off and running, we're off to the races. Now the movie starts almost. Yes, know? now the movie starts, and like I said, these this next sequence of events just happens really quickly. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that it has to kind of quickly get through to kind of tie up all the loose ends of Thor 2 um, because Thor 2 ends on a pretty big cliffhanger. I don't know if you remember. What's the, how, what's the cliffhanger? The yeah. cliffhanger is that Loki's alive and that he took Odin's place. <laughs> That's from that movie? Yeah, that is from Thor 2. So if you remember Thor 2, which if you don't if you don't remember Thor 2, this movie helpfully reenacts it with these actor cameos. Incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, Loki appears to die in Thor The Dark Worlds. The rest of that movie happens. You get through the rest of it, and you see Thor addressing Odin, and Odin's like, oh, well, do you want to take your rightful place as king? And, you know, Thor's like, not yet, father. I have many things that need to be done. And Thor, like, goes to live on Earth with Jane. Right. Uh, and then, like, as Thor leaves, Odin fades away, and it turns out it's Loki who's been talking to him this whole time. And it's like, Ooh. oh, man. Loki's alive. What happened to Odin? And then four years later, Thor Ragnarok comes out and uh, completely like, answers all those questions like 30 seconds. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like anybody who was like, you know, on the edge of their seat waiting for answers from Thor the Dark World may have been a little upset. I don't think there were that many people. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but even so, uh, that is that is kind of the thing there. Uh, so, yeah, so they're back in Asgard, and you see actors reenacting Thor the Dark World. It's Luke Hemsworth as Thor, uh, Matt Damon as Loki, and Sam Neill as Odin, which Sam Neill, also the star of Hunt for the Wilder People as well, my favorite yes. Taika Waititi film. Uh, so that's kind of a cool thing there. They're reenacting the show. Uh, they're doing this play that shows the ending of Thor 2, but it's all from, like, Loki's perspective, and they're all, like, you know, huh, Loki's, like, dying, and it's like, build a statue for me, you know, tells yeah. tales. Like, you know, it's very clearly, like, there's a Loki bias in the, in yes. the show uh, and Odin's watching it and he's like eating grapes and, and he's like mouthing along with the words, uh, which is great. I think Anthony Hopkins having a lot of fun in this movie too, uh, which Absolutely. is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which I think he was saying, he was saying he wasn't going to come back for Thor three and then Taika Waititi jumped on and he came back on board. There it is. Yeah. I mean his, his like delivery of the like, Oh shit. Uh, when <laughs> Thor shows up and he like spits the grape out is <laughs> delightful. Yes. Yeah. The Oscar winning thespian, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, uh, star of films like The Father and Silence of the Lambs. She's doing, oh shit. He's uh, basically doing Dom DeLuise from History of the World Part One. <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much is, which is yeah. great. Uh, so Thor shows up and he like immediately knows something is wrong and he like immediately also knows that like Loki is Odin. <laughs> Like it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. even phase him. Like he like gets there and he's like, okay, well, Loki must be alive and he's pretending to be Odin. <laughs> yeah. When he sees the statue to Loki, he's like, ah, got it. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. And so he shows up and he like does this move with the hammer where he like throws it and like puts Odin right in front of him. And it's like, and he's like, you're really gonna make me do it. You're gonna make me do it. And like, like, okay, I hold. And like, he turns into Loki and Thor throws him down and takes the hammer. Uh, Loki has that, like you have one job thing, which has become a much used gif. <laughs> Yes. Uh, on the internet, <laughs> Thor and Loki go to look for Odin on Earth. Which is this where they reveal that him and Jane broke up, right? Because yeah. that. So they. Yeah, yeah that, that's in this movie, which is also one of those things that's like quickly waved over. Like, it's it's very clear that, like, Wait, TT wants the audiences to forget everything from the first two Thor movies. Yeah. <laughs> that it does not matter for this. Uh, and so, yeah, when they show up on Earth, uh, they get there and the retirement home that Loki put Odin in. 
uh, has been demolished. And they're like, well, I, 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 he was here. I don't know where he is now. It's like, and then these like two girls show up and they see Thor on the street. And they're like, oh man, get, like, can we get a picture with you? Uh, and he like happily obliges. He does the selfie thing with them. And then mm-hmm. as they're leaving, like, oh, sorry to hear Jane broke up with you. And then they walk away. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Thor's just like, oh, she didn't dump me. I dumped her. It was a, it was a mutual dumping. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's basically the thing we complained about in Independence Day Resurgence where they're like, isn't it a shame that your dad died in a test yes. crash? But it's funny here. So. It's, so it's got that going for it. Also, I think at this time, especially, especially at this time, it seemed like Natalie Portman was never going to be in these movies again. Yes, absolutely. Right? Cause she, cause she had a really bad experience making the first two Thor movies, especially Thor two, uh, which uh, originally had Patty Jenkins attached to direct. This is before she did Wonder Woman. And this was, you know, it was going to be like, it was Natalie Portman's thing where she wanted like a female director on Thor two. And it was going to be like a big deal and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they touted as like, oh yes, the first female director of the MCU. And then she and Marvel fought a lot and left over creative differences, uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. And they got Alan Taylor instead. Uh, and so Natalie Portman was pretty burned by that whole experience. Uh, and then she kind of said like, I don't want to do these movies anymore. Uh, and it seemed unlikely that she would ever come back. And so she didn't come back for Thor three. It was a surprise when she showed up in Avengers Endgame, uh, if only for like one line, you know, right. she, and I, I don't think she even actually physically did anything for Endgame. Like, I think they use like uh, archive footage from Thor, the dark world. Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So like she, she, there's like footage of her from Thor, the dark world. That's like from a deleted scene or something. And like, she recorded one line for the movie and like, that's her performance in Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, but then when she showed up at the Comic Con or to Disney Day or whatever the hell, D20, what do they call it? Right. D23. Yeah. Uh, when they announced Thor Love and Thunder and it was like, holy fucking shit, what's yeah. happening? They're doing yeah. it. Lady Thor, yeah. Natalie Portman's back. And I think uh, she probably saw the success of Thor Ragnarok and saw Take Waititi working on it. And it was like, okay, well, I guess I can come back for this now. <laughs> I guess fine. Yeah, so uh, she's doing that now, which is cool. But in this movie, doesn't matter. It's a J- Jane. This is the only mention of Jane you're getting in Thor, in Thor yes. Ragnarok. And then suddenly Loki just like kind of disappears through a circle in the ground. Yeah. Uh, which if you're an astute MCU viewer, you may recognize <laughs> it's one of Doctor Strange's portals. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait until. Never mind. No, it's a Spider-Man spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Spider-Man. Spider-Man's been out for a couple of months now. I think it's okay to throw out a spoiler uh, here, Mike, if you if you want to. Spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home coming up. What's your spoiler? <laughs> it might be somebody else's circle in the future. That's all I'll say. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's out one of Doctor Strange's portals and there's like a business card that's left there that uh, leads to the Sanctum Sanctorum and he steals Loki. So Thor goes over to the Sanctum Sanctorum and he meets with Doctor Strange. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the, their first time meeting and he's like, oh, so Earth has wizards now and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I also really like the exchange they have where uh, Doctor Strange is uh, talking to Thor and explaining to Thor that he has a registry about all the, uh, you know, supervillains that could potentially pose a threat to the universe and uh, your buddy Loki, uh, he's one of them. Uh, and he's like, oh, it's a wise choice. Uh, and and yeah. they, there's some, they, he has some line where he's like, we tried to reach you. And it's like, oh, you like you could have sent an email, uh, yeah. an, an electronic letter, an email. And Dr. Strange is like, do you have a computer? And Thor's like, no, what for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he says that it's not like you have a phone. He's like, well, why didn't you send an email? Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I do love that idea. And I, and I love that this totally fits the characterization of Dr. Strange, right? Where he's like, so if you promise that if I give you Odin, you'll leave, right? Like, you'll take Loki and get off Earth. And yeah. Thor's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get you guys out of here, I'm in. Uh, yes, it totally all, fits. All about that efficiency, uh, which I yeah. like. And they get that very fun, fun, fun goof that he's been falling for 45 minutes. When he, yes, or uh, half hour, minutes. whatever it is. Yeah, I have been falling for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Strange uh, locates Odin, and you know they kind of creates a new portal, gets Loki out of his like weird entrapment thing, and then you know sends them on their way. And I guess they're in like either Norway or Scotland or like some it's green, probably Norway. 
I think I think Norway because later in Endgame they set up Norway as like the base of operations for New Asgard, right? Isn't right. that the thing? This is where I think uh, the flat cinematography of a lot of Marvel movies really hurts this movie because you know there's this like moment where they find Odin and uh, you know he tells them about Hela, you know he tells them like oh you have a sister uh, and all this kind of stuff, and he gives he like tells them like oh I don't have much time left, and he like looks out on the horizon, and it's like oh look how beautiful it is, but like because of the flat cinematography of uh, some of the Marvel stuff, uh, and especially on the earth scenes in this movie, it just looks like, you know, a screensaver. Like it just looks like, <laughs> do they even know? show you what they're looking at? I don't remember. It's, it's like the ocean or whatever. It's a coastline. Yeah. yeah. It's a coastline. Yeah. And you know, yes, the ocean is majestic and beautiful. Um, but like cinema can make it look better. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think especially like the way they filmed it here, it looks like it's a pretty like, you know, drab rainy kind of day. And it just yeah. like, like I feel like if you want to really like be taken in by the majesty of it, uh, this is not uh, a movie that really tries to accomplish that in any meaningful way, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. It's uh, a literal God looking at a gray skyline. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. This movie has some really beautiful stuff in it, I think. Like, there is yeah. like some really cool uh, shots. I mean, the shot with Thor and the dragon, incredible. It's great. Incredible. Uh, yeah. You know, and there's a sh- shot later on with all the Valkyrie fighting Hela and all that kind of stuff, which is very cool. And, you know, just on Sakaar, there's a lot of like very colorful lights and flashes and all that kind of thing. But uh, this like sequence, like this backdrop that they're against here just feels very drab, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of like hurts this moment a little bit. Um, but yeah, so Odin kind of looks out on the horizon, tells him about Hela, and then he disappears. He dies. He goes to sleep the Odin sleep. Then as soon as he disappears, Hela shows up. Let's go, baby. Yeah. So Hela arrives in the scene and uh, she meets Thor and Loki and, uh, you know, they try to talk for a little bit, but she just immediately starts to fight with them uh, and he throws Mjolnir at her and uh, she grabs Mjolnir, which has never happened before. Nobody she catches Mjolnir. it. Yeah, she catches Mjolnir, and, uh, you know, as she's uh, grabbing it, like, uh, it starts to crack, and suddenly Mjolnir is destroyed. Thor's hammer is no more, Mike. He's got nothing left now. He's nobody. Exactly. It's akin what? to losing a loved one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mjolnir is destroyed, and Thor is very shaken up by this, but he still tries to fight her. Like, he's still trying to fight her, and Loki's like, take us up! Like, he, like, yells mm. up at Scourge to take them back to Asgard, uh, and he's like, Loki, no! And the uh, mm. the Bifrost opens up, and uh, they get, like, kind of shot up back into space, like, sending to Asgard, but Hela is right behind them. She's following them. Yes, she's, she jumped in the portal or whatever yeah. that happens with the Bifrost. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and they have, like, a space fight, which is fun. Yeah, they get a space fight and she knocks Loki out and he like kind of goes flying into space. And so she's fighting with Thor for a little bit more. Then he gets knocked out. He's flying into space. And then Hela gets sent right up to Asgard by herself. Yeah, I mean, it it is insane if you kind of think about it. The way that within 30 minutes... It kills like the whole original cast of the other trilogy. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is also like a semi issue that I have with this movie. Oh, interesting. Uh, because yeah, she arrives in Asgard and uh, Volstagg and Fandral are there. Uh, yes. Ray Stevenson and Zachary Levi's character, who were in the first two Thor movies. Uh, Fandral was not played by Zachary Levi in the first one. He's played by Joshua Dallas, but he's in Thor 2, uh, played by Zachary Levi. Uh, and they're both there, like, hanging out, I guess, like, doing whatever it was. They opened the Bifrost and sent them back up or whatever, yeah. uh, or Scourge was there. I don't, I don't really know why they're hanging out in the Bifrost, to be honest. They That's might the, just be kind of waiting for Thor. You yeah, know? might be a thing. That's kind of their whole deal <laughs> before yeah. here's three right uh so Volstagg and Fangel are there and they barely get like a word out and Hela just kills them immediately yeah uh, and you know I, I I get killing them like I think it makes sense to kill those characters uh to establish like the threat of this new character like oh take some characters that are previously established maybe not beloved so you don't like lose your audience like Im- immediately like it's yeah. not like Newton Alien 3 or something but you know it's these characters that like oh the I recognize these people and then they're dead immediately. That's something I get that. But I, I feel like those characters should, should have had like a little bit more to do 
before you like unceremoniously killed them off. Like they should have, their sacrifice should have meant something more, I guess, right. you know, which, which I think you do get with Hogan a little bit later, who is the other one of the warriors three, mm. who's like leading Asgard's army against her. Yeah. Uh, and she like does the whole battle where she takes out the entire army by herself and Hogan's there. And like, he's like the last one that dies at the end. So like he dies too, but like he gets a little bit more to do than Volstagg and yeah. will do who just die like as soon as she shows up. <laughs> Yeah, I think they draw their swords and then she kills them, which is also nuts that I was counting Odin also. Like, you know, Odin dies, you know, but in a normal fashion. In a more ceremonious way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Befitting Odin. Befitting Odin. Uh, But then these guys, she just throws swords at them, which also the decision to make Hela throw swords is the coolest shit. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, but that is a good point, though. I mean, they kill Odin. They kill the Warriors three. Sif's not in this movie. Right, uh, which allows her to pop up. I think she was. I think Jamie Alexander was busy filming Blind Spot at the time, which is why mm-hmm. she's not in this. But that all does allow her to pop up in future movies. So good for her. Got that going. Isn't for she it. dead? I don't, they talk about her in Loki, though, right? In the she, show, she pops up in Loki uh, briefly uh, in like a memory that Loki has. Yeah, um, but I don't think she died. I, I think she's still alive. Oh, I don't remember. I thought she was dead, and that's why she's not in this. No, I mean she she's still alive at the end of Thor two, which is the last time she popped up. She was in oh, a couple okay. episodes of Agents of Shield also. Um, but yeah, but she's, she's still, uh, kind of el- elsewhere in the universe. I assume she was just like off Asgard doing warrior things. Yeah. Uh, we'll you get know. a team Sif short for her. <laughs> <laughs> she was living with Daryl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a new location this time in Canada. But, uh, yeah. So, so Sif's not in this Odin dies. Uh, Thor's mom died in the second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the only like remaining cast members from the original two movies who are still alive at the end of this one are Thor, Loki and Heimdall. Right. Is that it? That sounds right. That, yeah. That's it. And then Heimdall dies in Infinity War. <laughs> right. And so does and I, Loki, and, actually. <laughs> and so does Loki. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought Heimdall died in this until I like until this rewatch, just because timeline mush in my brain. Right. Uh, so I was like shocked that he's on the pla- on the ship at the end of this. And I was like, oh fuck, that's right. He dies at the beginning of the next movie. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, so Hela shows up, which by the way, Kate Blanchett, great in this movie. She's uh, she's a really fun sh- scenery chewing villain. Yeah. I wish she had a little bit more to do, but she's very good in it. And like the design of that character is so cool. Uh, just that sequence where she like kind of steps forward and like puts her hands back over her head and like this like battle antler helmet shows up on her yeah <laughs> on her like head. beetle thing going on it's pretty yes cool. it's pretty cool so uh, it's got that going for it so she gets in kills volstag and fandrel she recruits scourge to her cause because scourge is a coward yes uh and so scourge is like her number two now meanwhile thor lands on sakar uh and he gets to this like alien planet doesn't know where he is and uh he's like in this giant trash pile and these scavengers show up and they want to eat him they're like food and they yeah are like kind of chasing him and he starts to fight them off and then Valkyrie shows up and uh, Valkyrie's entrance is terrific. Uh, yeah. It's really terrific. Tessa Thompson entering the MCU. Uh, Valkyrie throughout this movie. I mean, she's really in this in Endgame so far. And I don't, I don't think I showed up in anything else yet. I'm sure she'll be in Thor 4. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she's like quickly become like one of my favorite like presences in this universe because she's just so much fun in this movie, especially uh, and has like so much swagger. And like when she shows up, like she enters and like she is like walking down and like downs this like, huge drink and then like is walking down. And it seems like this badass entrance. And then she just falls down immediately. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And she's definitely a character that like I'm very excited to see her be, be a more prominent character in the mcu i think at some point will happen probably yeah Um, i mean at the end of endgame she's like the new king of asgard right that's kind of the thing yeah yeah she takes over asgard which is cool yeah so so i'm sure she'll be around you know yeah she'll be around doing things but uh yeah she shows and kills everyone there and captures thor for herself uh and i love the way that's like uh she's just kind of the step like even though she's like clearly like a mess like a drunken mess like just fell off the thing and like barely works her like you know wrist 
thing that controls the thing. She yeah. still manages to kill everybody and like with like without breaking a sweat, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like all of this is so beneath her because she's such a highly trained Valkyrie. Why even bother like trying, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Why do this sober? You know, is basically what her whole character is. Right. Uh, so yeah. So she captures Thor. Uh, meanwhile, Hela addresses the Asgard army, and uh, like we said, kills everyone, including Hogan. And then you get Thor's ride to meet the Grandmaster, <laughs> which is a delight. It's this. Uh, you know, they, I mean, they play the uh, the pure imagination song uh, from yeah. Willy Wonka as an instrumental, which uh, is nuts. Which is nuts, and like makes you wonder, like. Does Sakaar have access to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? They know about the song? They, they know about this? Or did whoever uh, wrote uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is he from Sakaar maybe? And that's like a, an old Sakaarian legend or whatever. I don't know. I, I may be thinking too much into it. But uh, Thor has this like ride to meet the Grandmaster. He's like strapped to a chair and there's this voice telling him like, oh, you are about to meet the Grandmaster in five, four, three. And he shows up and it's Jeff Goldblum. Jeff fucking Goldblum. <laughs> And he's great. Uh, you know, he's like talking about, uh, you know, ah, another uh, contender to face off against my champion. Thank you so much, uh, Scrapper 142. And, uh, you know, he's I've, I was just saying this the other day. You know, what, what was I saying about Scrapper 142, uh, Topaz? It starts with the B. Uh, she's trash. It's like, what? No, not trash. That doesn't even start with the B. Were you waiting for, to, for the opening to call her trash? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, it's great. And uh, yeah, Goldblum immediately just like inflects his personality in this movie and uh, is so much fun as a presence here. And he's uh, kind of addressing Thor as like, oh, I'm the Grand Master and the leader of Sakaar. Uh, this other guy gets pulled up next to Thor. He's like being pardoned by the Grand Master. And so he gets like this big staff uh, from Topaz. And he's like, I officially pardon you. And it's like, oh, oh, thank you, Grand Master. And it's like, yes, you're officially pardoned from life. And he like... <laughs> Pokes him with the melting stick uh, and the guy like melts right next to Thor as he's screaming and Thor is horrified. It's incredible. That that is the so when he pardoned from life and he fucking <laughs> hits him with the, is incredible. That's peak Jeff Goldblum, I think. Yes. Uh, um, the stuff in between that when he when when it's Thor and there before he melts that guy. Right. He's like. I'm the God of thunder. Ah, and he like rips his hands. Uh, like it looks like he breaks free of the shackles. Yeah. And then Jeff Goldman just hits a button and they just jump and they're like <laughs> magnet back to the thing. It's so, it just completely undermines everything we know about Thor. Right. And he can't, he can't summon the lightning. It's just a little twinkle fingers. Right. That's what they call him for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Too. Sparkles. Sparkles. Yeah. Uh, all that stuff. It's such a good, Good exchange, and it and it's really said, you know, getting Goldblum to be Goldblum, and he, he's just like, oh, exciting with the thing, sparkles and stuff, you know, exactly. And then he melts that guy. Yes, <laughs> he melts the guy, and then he shows Thor around Sakaar a little bit, uh, and he yeah. like kind of gives him the tour, and uh, you know, it's just a very fun like random kind of bits here and there. There's even a little bit of Goldblum playing some like weird electronic piano. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like, hey, Goldblum gets to play the piano. That's in his contract, right? That's lush, a- lush life. Lush life. He likes to dig on that saxophone. Yeah, actually, in What If, it shows him as a DJ. Uh, so throw, yes. that, throw that in there too, which is great. And then you see Loki is actually there too. He's been partying with the Grandmasters people this whole time. Yeah, for weeks. Yeah, yeah. Time works differently on Sakaar, Mike, uh, which also results in one of my favorite Goldblum exchanges here. Where it's like, oh yes, time works differently on Sakaar. I'm over 10,000 years old, uh, but here... Uh, and he like has this like weird like face that he makes and he's just like gl- like eyes darting back between Thor and Loki like as if he's like daring them to guess what his actual age is and so that's the joke I was talking about that I think that face only works on Jeff Goldblum <laughs> like that delivery <laughs> when he does that and he just kind of like leans forward and he's darting his eyes back and forth yes it's like that anybody else can't deliver this the way Jeff Goldblum <laughs> delivers it Loki Oh, 
course I'm alive. What are you doing here? What do you mean, what am I doing? I'm stuck in this stupid chair. Where's your chair? I didn't get a chair. Well, get me out of this one. I can't. Get me out. I can't. It's right. Made friends with this man. It's called the Grand Horse. Oh, crazy. I've gained his favor by frostbound meow meow weeks ago. Weeks ago? Yes. Well, I just got here. Hey, whispering. Huh? Time works real different around these parts. On any other world, I'd be like uh, millions of years old. But here on Sakaar, In any case, you know this, uh, this, uh, you call yourself Lord of Thunder. God of Thunder. <laughs> I've never met this man in my life. He's my brother. Adopted. Is he any kind of a fighter? <laughs> you take this thing out of my neck and I'll show you. Oh, listen to that. He's threatening me. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, but yeah, so, so Loki arrived weeks before Thor did because time works differently here. Uh, Thor is sent to a cell. Um, because he's about to like, you know, be ready to meet to fight off the champion. And if he beats the champion, he will gain his freedom uh, from this planet. Right. Yes. That's the idea. And so Thor gets sent to his cell and there he meets probably the greatest character that the MCU has ever created, uh, which is Korg. <laughs> Correct. Yes. I cannot <laughs> believe they let Taika Waititi do this. <laughs> so Korg is uh, this, uh, you know, kind of big rock monster guy. Once he opens his mouth, it's just Taika Waititi doing like you know, a polite New Zealand accent, um, which yeah. he has said he based on like bouncers from, uh, in clubs in New Zealand, uh, which are usually very big guys, but are always very polite because they're in New Zealand. Nice. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, so, yeah, Korg opens his mouth and he's like, oh, I'm uh, my name is Korg. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, which should not be a problem unless you're made of scissors. That's a rock, paper, scissors <laughs> joke for you. <laughs> he's doing like his open mic bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's just, he's describing like, you know, I, I was sent here because I tried to start a revolution, but I didn't print out to, uh, enough pamphlets. So the only people who showed up, my mom and my and her boyfriend, who I hate. Uh, <laughs> just these like details about Korg's life that keep coming through. And, you know, they're walking around the circle and, you know, it's just this like endless circle. Like, you know, didn't we walk past this before? And it's like, oh, yeah, man, this is a circle, but not like a circle that you ever know. It's more like a freaky circle. <laughs> Yeah, it's the the subway platform from Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and he's talking to Thor about Doug, this other gladiator, and he's like, "Oh, yo, yo, just like Doug." He's like, "What happened to Doug?" Oh, Doug's dead, mate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget Meek. Of course, Meek is there too. Yeah, Me Meek is like a, a Korg's best buddy, alien friend. He doesn't speak. He's just like yeah. there. He's great. I love Meek also. <laughs> he's he's a bug with knives for hands. Yeah, he does, does like little like knife move, like he moves his hands back and forth, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Korg and Meek, the the great duo of the MCU. Uh, I I was absolutely delighted when they showed up in Endgame yes. as well, because uh, I was very worried uh, after Infinity War. They don't really address it, like if that they had, may have died in Infinity War, like they may have been snapped or something, yeah, uh, or killed like in the opening like thing with uh, Thanos and his team or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was glad to know that they were alive in Endgame. And uh, in Endgame, they're just like playing Fortnite with Thor. That's their thing. <laughs> They're just chilling, yeah. <laughs> They're just chilling. What what better existence could there be than Thor, Korg, and Meek just uh, chilling and playing Fortnite? <laughs> I want that life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, he meets Korg. Uh, meanwhile, on Asgard, Hela is destroying all the Asgardian murals and revealing the murals behind them, uh, which reveals the colonial history of Asgard and how they conquered the Nine Realms and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, is also going through Odin's uh, treasure vaults, and it turns out, most of them are fake treasures. They're all there to like puff up Odin. He's, yeah. you know, he was really more of like this egotistical figurehead kind of thing for Asgard. Uh, and so she, and one of them is like the infinity gauntlet. They threw in there because in the original Thor, uh, you see like the infinity gauntlet in Thor in the throne room, right? That's like, that right. was thrown in there in as the vault. Yeah. That was thrown in there as an Easter egg before they even realized they were going to do anything with Thanos. Right. You know, uh, and so they threw this in there as like, okay, well, the one in Thor's uh, in in the vault is fake, so that way the one in the Thanos has now that's the real one. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that that's why they do that. A, a little bit of like fanboy cleanup that's happening. Right yeah, there. yeah. Uh, so he's just like, ah, fake, and t- knocks down the fake Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, but then the Eternal Flame, that's real. Uh, and she she also like points the Tesseract. It's like, that's interesting. That's that's interesting. And she like just keeps yeah. walking. But she goes to the Eternal Flame, and she creates this big undead army with this giant wolf that's also there and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That shit rocks. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so you go back to Sakaar. Loki appears to talk to Thor in the cell. Uh, but, you know, he's not actually there. He's just like kind of the, the vision of Loki. And uh, Thor like just keeps throwing rocks at him, which is funny. And Loki is, you know, trying to like, you know, come up with a plan for the two of them to escape. Like, let me like carry favor with the Grand Master. And then eventually we can steal his ship. And like, oh, you are the god of mischief, Loki, or whatever. And then Loki disappears and Korg runs at him. He's like, piss off, ghost. Uh <laughs> Which might be the greatest contribution to uh, popular culture <laughs> in the last 50 years. So. Yes, I, I was watching this movie with my girlfriend who had not seen it, who uh, yeah, I've been kind of like slowly making my way through the MCU with her over the last couple of years. This was easily the biggest laugh she had uh, throughout the Ragnarok, I think. <laughs> Just yeah. him coming up, piss off ghost and all that kind of stuff was great. Just in terms of like culturally shifting moments, it's like <laughs> the the Beatles concert on the <laughs> on, on the Ed Sullivan. Yeah. On Ed Sullivan even. Okay, uh, yeah. And they first get here, uh, and then piss off Ghost, really. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two. Those are the Those two are the culturally th- defining moments. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so as that's happening, Thor also realizes that Valkyrie is Asgardian uh, as he is yes. kind of getting together for the uh, the fight against the champion. Uh, and then Stan Lee shows up to cut off Thor's hair. <laughs> that's right. But I love the scene where he realizes, right, but right before the fight, I think. Or is it? After this, when him and Korg are just clearly improvising stuff about weapons. Uh, oh, yeah. Which, this this is like right around this time, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's before the fight for sure. And he's like improvising stuff. And, you know, he's talking about like, oh, my mighty hammer was, you know, I, it would pull me off. It's like, oh, my God, the hammer pulled you off. And uh, <laughs> I can't believe they got that in a Marvel movie. <laughs> They got a masturbation joke in a Marvel movie. Yeah. I mean, the, the James Gunn snuck a few of those into the Guardians movies, too. Oh, true. Uh, yeah. Which, you turn a black light in here, this whole place looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Stan Lee cuts Thor's hair because he's a gladiator now. And uh, yeah. that's also part of the, like, you know, the new image rehabilitation of Thor as a character. And uh, that was in, like, all the trailers and stuff. Like, Thor has short hair now, and he just, like, just looks like Chris Hemsworth now. And it just it makes it just feel like a more casual version of the character, which I like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's like kind of a shitty haircut too, right? There's like uneven yeah. patches of it because sh- the thing that he cuts his hair with is like a blender, uh, yep. <laughs> which is very fun. And yeah, I'm trying to think, what, what Ghostbusters was 2016, right? The, 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 the female Ghostbusters, yeah, that was 2016. 2016, yeah, where he just full-on plays a himbo. Right, uh, yeah. Which and I feel like is, that carries over into this. Yes, that's part of the thing with uh, with Thor Ragnarok too, with Taika Waititi coming in. I uh, was like, you know, we've seen Chris Hemsworth kind of like stretch into more comedic roles lately with Ghostbusters and with the, the Vacation remake. He was also in oh, that. Oh, yeah. That was like 2015 and 2016. And it was like, he's clearly like, more talented as a comedic actor than he is as like an action star. So why don't we like tap into that more for Thor Ragnarok? And that's what they did. And uh, yeah, worked out. Anyway, Thor enters the arena. He's about to face off against the champion and Goldblum has, you know, the, he's doing the announcements and he's like, it's this big build up towards who it's going to be. And uh, if you had seen the trailers for this movie, you already knew who it was going to be, but the movie plays it as if it's like a big reveal. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really wish this was not in the trailers for the movie. Like I, I really wish I had like, gone in completely blind, not knowing this character was going to be in the movie because I can only imagine like how much my mind would have been blown <laughs> yeah. by what I was about to see. Um, but Goldblum has the big announcement and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, the incredible. And then the Hulk bursts through the wall. <laughs> yeah. Fucking rocks. <laughs> so, so good. And the Hulk shows up and uh, Chris Hemsworth's reaction to it immediately is like, 
yeah yeah <laughs> he's just like so excited because it's his buddy he's stuck on this alien planet and it's his buddy he doesn't even need to fight the hulk because they're just fan- they're friends right yeah it's his friend from work <laughs> yes I, it's a friend from work I, like i know him and he's like yelling at <laughs> jeff goldblum and loki's face when the hulk shows up is also incredible uh and you know tom hiddleston's delivery is like i need to get off this planet right now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so it's good. So great. Uh, and so, yeah, so Thor, the champion is the Hulk. He's a friend from work. Uh, but then Hulk, you know, doesn't really understand. Like, he sort of recognizes Thor, um, but he's also like, he he's the champion. He needs to fight him. And so it's the Hulk. Yeah. Hulk is all in on the, being the champion. Like, this is a good life for him. Uh, yeah. And so he and Thor end up getting into their big fight. Yeah. And that fight rocks. It's real intense. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, kind of goes back and forth for a bit. The Hulk beats up Thor. Thor beats up the Hulk. Uh, Thor tries doing uh Nat's lullaby from age of Ultron. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> so good. Sun's getting really low, low big guy <laughs> and, uh, does not work. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> just very funny. There's a whole thing where like, it, look, Goldblum is able to like, or no, Thor is able to like summon lightning. He like gets the lightning in there and is about to like beat the Hulk. It looks like, yeah. uh, and then Goldblum knocks Thor out before he can win the fight. He like uses the little zappy thing on his neck and knocks him out yeah electrocutes him or whatever uh so he passes out and the hulk wins uh but yeah i i I just think it's a really like i I love the debate of always like well who would who's the strongest you know thor's a literal god hulk is invincible or whatever which makes like the moment towards the end with fenris bites hulk and you see hulk's blood and you're whoa that's crazy um but yeah, this part is like, it's just that fun kind of fanboy service. Like they're just literally going to fist fight in a, in a, in a <laughs> ring. And like maybe Thor wins, you know, yeah, he, it seems it, like he's going to win. It looked like he was about to, which is kind of surprising. Uh, especially, I mean, they have fought once before too in the Avengers right. um, when like the whole ship is like kind of going down and the Hulk gets loose and like Hulk and Thor have a big fight. There's the mm-hmm. moment where like the Hulk uh, tries to lift Thor's hammer and can't and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty great. So Thor and the Hulk fight, Thor gets knocked out. Uh, meanwhile, Resistance is brewing on Asgard. Uh, yes. So the, the Asgardians are kind of trying to rise up against the Hela. Hela promotes Scourge to the Executioner, and uh, turns out the Bifrost Sword is missing, which oh, is a big yeah. is a big problem for Hela because they can't go out to the other nine realms, right? So they, they can't right. go to other places to conquer and stuff. Uh, so the Bifrost Sword is missing because Heimdall has it. Idris Elba is in this movie. If anybody has been like severely underserved by the MCU, Idris Elba, man, like he was man. right there this entire time. <laughs> Yeah, and he rocks his Heimdall, too. He's so good every time he's on screen. Yeah, he's fun. Honestly, the, the one of the few things I really like about Thor of the Dark Worlds, it gives Heimdall, like, slightly more to do because um, he's just, like, in on the action sequence, like, when the elves are invading Asgard, I think. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, like, jumps on a ship and, like, uses his sword and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. And, yeah, I just feel like Idris Elba, he's in these movies, and he's, uh, you know, he's always, like, eighth build or whatever like he's not not one of the main yeah. characters by any means uh and then when he dies in infinity war it's like oh man heimdall died uh but it's more of a loss that like oh man i just his potential for the mcu is never really like never really there uh and i feel like i just in general like has had a really like rough string of bad luck when it comes to blockbusters like in terms of not uh tapping into his potential and i think he finally broke through with the suicide squad uh this yeah. past year, uh last this past year uh, where i think he's very good in that but you know bef- like he is also the bad guy in hobbs and shaw which was like ah you know whatever he's fun in it but like you know whatever uh he's the bad guy in star trek beyond where he's covered in makeup and like you know i like that movie and he's uh, you know underserved he's like you know not the focus of it you know and he pops up in the dark tower right he's in that movie right all that kind of stuff and the only like really good one is, is pacific rim right that's the yeah the golden standard right <laughs> yes as far as i just held the blockbuster goes yeah 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 but i'm i am glad though that he gets a bit more to do i mean he's pretty involved at least in that like third banana kind of way yes <laughs> um, 
that he is in this movie, but like as the like leader of the resistance on, on Asgard. Yes, exactly. So he's he's doing that, and you see him kind of rescue some Asgardians from uh, some of Hela's like undead army and stuff, and he like leads them back to his like his base where he's hiding out, kind of thing. And then after that, you see Thor waking up after the fight in a recuperation room along with the Hulk. Hulk's in a hot tub, uh, <laughs> and, which is very like Hulk gets up and is completely naked, and Hulk sees or Thor sees Hulk's dick, and it's like uh, that's that's in my brain now. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. But he's asking Hulk, like, how did you get here? What happened? And Hulk's explaining, like, oh, Quinjet. Which, by the way, I really like the characterization of the Hulk in this movie, too. In previous MCU movies, like, really any Hulk movie, Hulk doesn't really talk all that much. You know, if if, any, mm-hmm. if there's if there's Hulk dialogue, he gets, like, one line where it's, like, a puny god or whatever, right? Yeah. He gets, like, that line, and it's always, like, a very funny, like, good line. But, like, this time, like, Hulk's, like, having conversations. He's, like, you know, like, having dialogue with other characters. Uh, right. And... It's it's like fully Mark Ruffalo like voicing the Hulk this time, uh, which usually it used to be like Lou Ferrigno doing like the voice of the Hulk fused with Mark Ruffalo's voice or whatever. Uh, and now it's like fully Mark Ruffalo gets a lot of it, it's more close to like the Hulk that I am reading in Marvel Unlimited, where it's like, you know, in the 70s and 60s comics, Hulk talks a lot. The Hulk is like is very verbose, actually. He, yeah, he does. A, he has a lot of dialogue in those comics. Uh, and, you know, this the movies finally felt like felt comfortable enough to let him have that in this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I remember reading uh, some Marvel stuff that, like, the Hulk would pop up in. And I remember being like, the Hulk talks? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but my only exposure is really the MCU before I started reading the comics a little bit. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, what? Like, this is insane. <laughs> the Hulk is just talking. He's a yes. normal character. Um, and it rocks. And it always makes me think of, I think it's the film Crit Hulk, whose profile picture on Twitter is, like, the Professor Hulk with the little yes. glasses in the book. I think about that all the time. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, so Thor and Hulk are talking and Hulk kind of explaining like how he got to Sakaar after Age of Ultron, like as far as he can understand it, uh, because he was in the Quinjet at the end of Age of Ultron and uh, he shut off the computer and disappeared. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, he got sucked into like a portal to Sakaar and landed there and uh, got taken in as the champion. He, he is now like the champion of the Grandmaster's uh, whole arena thing. And so he's been like living there for two years now and he's just been the Hulk that entire time. Um, and he points to the Quinjet that is still there and Thor sees it. Uh, and, you know, he's like, okay, well, not, he's like formulating a plan for escape now. And so Thor communicates with Heimdall and he like, you know, has this whole thing like in, in his mind where he is like seeing what's going on in Asgard and he's trying to get, make it back there. Thor and Hulk have like a big argument now, yeah. which, which is which is like, you know, sad, but also funny at the same time. Like they're fighting and, you know, Thor wants to get out of there and he's like, Hulk, you got to come with me. We got to fight off uh, Hela and Asgard. And Hulk's like, no, Hulk, stay here. Like, you know, Hulk, no, go back to Earth. Like Hulk hates, like, Earth hates Hulk. And then Thor's like, you know what? Earth does hate you because you're stupid like all like, yeah and then, and then he makes hulk sad and it's sad it is sad but i, lo- I love that he's like oh, i don't like banner he's all like science and math and stuff yeah i like you you're a big fighter and then later <laughs> when he talks to banner he's like oh who likes the hulk you're my favorite yeah um, <laughs> it's very funny yes. um yeah and i don't remember is this where they like throw a bunch of shit at each other i think so right this big argument they do yeah they throw yeah. some shit at each other <laughs> i don't know it's just fun to see hulk and thor fight Exactly. Yeah. Um, but they, they kind of, you know, reach an understanding after the fight and they have like the lines like uh, Hulk like fire, like, you know, big, great flame Hulk uh, Thor, like smoldering puny fire, like, yeah, or, or like water, whatever. Um, <laughs> and that, that's where you kind of see like Chris Hemsworth like break a little bit, too. Like you see him like, kind of that's smile, the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is great. Uh, but yeah, it turns out Hulk and the Valkyrie, they're pals. Um, yeah. Hulk and Valkyrie are like good pals, like from their time in Sakaar. And so he brings her in to talk to Thor. Thor uh, reveals to Valkyrie like, hey. I'm putting together a team. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, it was like, well, who's on this team? It's like, well, me, you, 
the Hulk. No team, only Hulk. It's me and you. <laughs> uh and you know she she's like giving him enough enough time to like talk to her as she finishes this giant drink and she finishes in like two seconds thor's like kind of trying to appeal to her as like a you know a former valkyrie as an asgardian to protect her home and he's like goodbye i run towards my problems because that's what hero and he like throws the ball and like it like reflects off the window and like just hits him back straight in the head and he completely falls down (laughs) yes yeah i mean just like peak physical comedy yes really think about it and he just like gets right back up it's like because that's what heroes do and he jumps out the window <laughs> yeah it's cool as shit <laughs> yeah which like it's a call back to like the line that he has at the opening scene of the movie is like because that's what heroes do and yeah all that kind of stuff which is fun uh so he jumps out the window to the quinjet uh and he gets there and he's like trying to access the computer uh there's like a funny bit where he's like you know oh the strongest avenger it's like oh, access denied thor son of odin access denied point break <laughs> it's like access granted <laughs> yeah damn you stuck <laughs> It's so good. Uh, so yeah, he's accessing the Quinjet and trying. It's about to fly it away, uh, and then Hulk comes after him and starts breaking stuff. Yeah, starts smashing the Quinjet. Yeah, he's smashing the Quinjet and breaking a bunch of stuff inside. A video kind of knocks on, and it's uh, the archive footage of Black Widow from Age of Ultron. Right, uh, the very end of that, right? Yeah, the very end of Age of Ultron when the Hulk is flying in the Quinjet, and he's like, okay, big guy, we're going to need you to turn this boat around. And, you know, that's at the end of Age of Ultron, he shuts that video off, and he just kind of continues on his way. Uh, but here he sees it, and, you know, he has that moment where he sees Black Widow, and, uh, you know, the Hulk and Black Widow, of course, had a romance in Age of Ultron, and this is, like, you know, something that's really affecting him, and, you know, he it sends him back to Banner. Like, it kind of, like, you know, finally affects the Hulk and, like, turns him back into Bruce Banner for the first time in two years. Remember when that was a thing, when they made Banner and Nat, like, tried to be a couple in the movies. I, I, I like them in age of Ultron. Uh, I, I do like, I mean, again, as I they, they really only do it in age of Ultron, mm, <laughs> you know? True, yeah. Uh, Cause after that, they play into it with Thor Ragnarok here and they play into it with like infinity war a little bit in Endgame, right. but uh, not nearly as much as they probably should have, you know, based on like what they did with age of Ultron. Um, but I, I always like them in age of Ultron. I know there's like controversy surrounding like certain scenes and like a lot of people think right. that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but I always liked the pairing of it. And I thought, it, I thought it worked in that movie. Um, That's fair. But uh, yeah, Age of All, it sends him back to Banner because he sees that and is like so deeply affected by it. Uh, there's also this really cool shot after that um, where it's, it's Mark Ruffalo now. Um, and uh, Mark Ruffalo also, I think, maybe giving his best performance as Banner um, yeah. in this movie, uh, which is great. Uh, I think you've talked about it before. You may have mentioned it on our old film bookcast episode, but like he's doing like a Woody Allen impression. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like just completely neurotic and like surrounded by the world around, like this whole world around him is completely foreign to him because he's been on autopilot this last two years with the Hulk in control. He's like, Oh, what's going on? Where am I? And he's like, playback tape, playback tape. And you see like the video security footage of the Hulk in the Quinjet when he gets sucked out and like taken to Sakaar. And there's this shot of uh, Ruffalo's reflection kind of matching with the Hulk's face on the screen. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool as shit. That's filmmaking, baby. Uh, yeah, so love that. And uh, also another very cool shot in like, the very next scene uh, where Loki and Valkyrie are walking up to the Grandmaster uh, because Goldblum has called him in there mm. because Thor and the Hulk have escaped and he's very upset about this. Uh, and you see like kind of Loki and Valkyrie's reflections on the floor and it, it's like so the camera is like sort of turning right side up as they're like walking towards him. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then and then Goldblum like descends out of a thing. So now he's inverted like yeah. on, a, on a platform until it like fully resets. Uh, and it's all weird. It's pretty cool. And then the Go- yeah. Goldblum is basically telling them, uh, you know, he's upset that Thor and the Hulk have, have escaped. They're missing. And he's sending Loki and Valkyrie to go find them. And uh, Loki's like, well, I can do it in uh, 24 hours. And Valkyrie's like, I can do it in 12. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, I can do it in I- one. Yeah. <laughs> and, so so it, and so it becomes like a contest between the two of them. It's like whoever brings him the, the champion and Thor first 
uh, win and the other one will be executed, I guess, right? Yeah, they'll get the melt stick. Yes, they will get the melt stick. There's also a very funny moment here uh, where uh, I think Loki like says something back to him or whatever, right? Or, or yeah. Valkyrie says something back to him or whatever. And, uh, you know, Topaz like, you know, hands gold in the melt stick and it's like, what, what are you doing? No, that's not a melting offense. Like, they just talk <laughs> back to me. Come on, like yeah. <laughs> dial it back a little bit. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but then right after that, Loki and Valkyrie have a fight. They, they like fight yeah. each other as soon as they get outside of the Grandmaster's throne room. Yeah, they both do the like whoosh, knife thing that yes. all Asgardians can do apparently, uh, <laughs> which is so much fun because Hela does it, Loki does it. Yes, uh, yeah. Thor, learn- Thor does it in the in the in the Gladiator arena. You're right. Uh, it's fun. And yeah, and th- at this point, you also learn more about uh, Valkyrie's backstory too. You learn more about uh, you know the, the entire Valkyrie army uh, going to fight Hela and all of the Valkyrie being killed except for her. Uh, and so she just like kind of going on the run and like, you know, being disillusioned with the whole concept of Asgard and Hela and Odin and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's like the thing they invented, whatever lighting rig they invented um, to do this, to right. make it look like slow-mo <laughs> painting sort of it looks cool as shit, man. Yeah. It's a great shot. It's a great shot with all the Valkyrie kind of coming down on Hela and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of go back to uh, Thor and Banner. Thor and Banner are like kind of in hiding and Thor's like kind of disguising himself with this like bl- like blanket shawl that he found. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Banner's like, like freaking out about everything around here. He's like, I am on a planet that is designed to stress me out. And, you know, he's he has these like green, like kind of tinges on his face too, uh, yeah. which is great. <laughs> um, but, uh, and yeah, there's the bit where he's like trying to tell Banner, like, I have to go back to Asgard and, you know, you, you can come with me and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you just use me to get to the Hulk, man. That's low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's so dejected by it. <laughs> And and I and it's interesting too. I sort it sort of feels like Grandmaster knows what's up with the Hulk, right? Because he tells everybody like to go out and celebrate by champion and like throw a party for him. Mm. So like everybody's out there with the masks and they're shooting the green like smoke bombs and all that <laughs> right. stuff, which they do in the in the arena the, when he first shows up too. But it's it's sort of like implied or whatever that like he kind of knows that that will make him be the Hulk or something. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe because uh, I, I could see it being a thing where like the Grandmaster saw Hulk on Earth and like grabbed him like kind of right. kind of that kind of thing maybe. Uh, but I also thought it was just kind of a way to like draw the Hulk out because he knows the Hulk responds to mm. that kind of like crowd interaction and stuff like that. I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like a thing where he's like, we'll be fine. And then the parade comes around the corner and they've all got the Hulk masks and the smoke bombs and stuff. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there's this, this big Hulk parade as like basically as like Thor saying like, oh, yeah, nobody will find us. Yeah, we're, we're totally like incognito. And then this big Hulk parade that walks through. Yeah. Uh, and then Valkyrie arrives and she like, kind of takes Thor and Banner like, you know, aside and mm. uh, tells them like, you know, I've decided to join the team. Uh, what's the team's name? Like, well, we're, we're, we're the revenges. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I'm getting revenge. You're going to get revenge. You are you are you getting revenge? It's like, uh, undecided. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's joining the Avengers, and also she captured Loki. Uh, right. And yeah, she she captured Loki, and uh, Thor kind of tells her the plan, which is like we need to get safe passage through that, and it's like oh the devil's anus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like for, for the record i didn't know it was called that before i uh said that but yes we have to get through there uh and also thor tells his snake story about loki which is a delight yes i think improvised right confirmed <clears throat> i believe that, yeah that's a improvised story where thor is just like one time when we ate we turned to a snake and like, he knows i love snakes so i went over there to say hello to the snake and pet him and then he turned it to him he's like ah it's me it's like ah <laughs> <laughs> and then he stabbed me and then oh. he stabbed me we were eight at the time yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Thor tells a snake story and uh, Loki kind of, uh, you know, makes a deal with them because he can he can get access to the Grandmaster's ships. 
Right. Uh, so he can get him to the ships. They can take him uh, to get safe passage through the Anus. And uh, as, as to distract everybody, Valkyrie frees Korg and all the other slaves and says, uh, and Korg, like, you know, takes the weapon. He's like, the revolution has begun. <laughs> and yes. All that. And that's when Goldblum has the line where he's talking to Topaz. And, uh, you know, she's like, the slaves have escaped, sir. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, you know, hey, I don't, I don't like that word. And he's like, what, mainframe? It's like, what? No, why would I not like mainframe? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no, of course. The, the S word. It's like, the prisoners with jobs have escaped, sir. <laughs> and Goldblum's reaction to it is like, he's just so bemused by the concept that like, that's what she came up with. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, okay, all right, I'll take it. All yeah, right. exactly. It's very good. Yeah, which is great. Uh, and then you get one of my favorite shots of the movie, which is just Thor and Loki with laser guns, like shooting guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's like a prison break movie now. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a prison break movie. They shoot a bunch of uh, the Grandmaster's guard with these laser guns. They get into an elevator and they have this kind of like heart to heart moment where uh, you know Loki's like, I, I'm thinking, you know, once we get out of here, I might come back to Sakar. And it's like Thor's like, Yeah, you should. You you would do well here, brother. All right, now let's do get help. Uh, and then it's like, no, we're not doing get help. It's like, oh yeah, we got to do get help. And then they, the elevator doors open and Thor has like Loki over his shoulders, like get help, get help quick. And then he throws Loki at the guards. Yes. <laughs> It's so good. Yes. It's pretty crazy, like how much of this has just kind of entered a lot of just like popular lexicon shit. I don't That's know. That's true. Like in, yeah. In a lot of D and D games now, we try that we do like, all right, what did you get help? Like a lot of stuff like that. We got like goofy. You know, you take take the stuff from the movie because it's basically that. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, and so one of my favorite things too, right after this, is that uh, you know they knock out the guards and they're heading to the Grandmaster ship, and Loki betrays Thor. He like sets the alarm for the Grandmaster. Yeah. Uh, and then Thor's like pretends to be shocked for like a second and then <laughs> reveals that he actually put the shock thing on Loki. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and so he like presses it and sends Loki into like this paralysis state where he's like constantly being shocked. And he's like, brother, you're so predictable at this point. Come on, you betray me. I, I fall for it. Come on, we do this dance over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and then he throws the thing like off the cliff or whatever, or like off the hanger edge or whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He throws the thing. And uh, yeah, so Thor steals Goldblum's ship and leaves Loki there. Uh, and then there's a big chase sequence. Uh, and uh, you also discover this is a ship that the Goldblum, that Goldblum mostly uses for his space orgies. Uh, yeah, it's a leisure like class. Cool. It's, a, it's a leisure class <laughs> ship. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a big uh, chase sequence where Thor and Valkyrie are battling outside of the ships. Like they're on the outside mm-hmm. of them while Banner is driving. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, Thor puts him behind the wheels. Like, I don't know how to drive a spaceship. It's like, oh, you're a scientist. Use one of your PhDs. Like, <laughs> None of them is for driving alien spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a gun, and he hits the big button, and it's <laughs> fireworks. It's it's Goldblum's birthday button. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Also, one of the weirdest things where that voice comes on, and it's like, it's my birthday, and like all yeah. the fireworks come out, and that causes Topaz to crash. <laughs> which yeah. Is great. yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that whole chase sequence is a lot of fun, and they get through the devil's anus. Uh, meanwhile, Korg and all the prisoners uh, get on the other big Grandmaster ship, uh, and they see Loki on there. It's like, oh, hey, man, we're about to all go in that big spaceship. You want to come? And yeah. <laughs> it's like, you look like you're in desperate need of leadership. It's like, oh, thank you. And he <laughs> yeah. gets on board. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yes. Uh, so then they arrive in Asgard uh, and draw Hela to the palace uh, from the Resistance. She's about to attack the Resistance. She found where they are. Right. And she realizes that Thor has arrived. And so she goes back to the throne room of the palace where Thor is, and he has this like kind of confrontation with her, and uh, they kind of talk for a little bit. Asgard should have a, a great ruler, and I don't want to do it, but it can't be you. You're just the worst. Yeah. Oh, man. I, just, I think this confirmed Chris Hemsworth's presence as like a gift, you know? <laughs> I mean, it really had it like, you know, it really did change what his character was in this entire like I, I'm very excited to see Thor Love and Thunder now. I want like 
more Thor movies down the line. Like he yeah. could just be keep playing this character for a while, you know? <laughs> just come back every couple of years and make a new one with Taika Waititi. Like, yeah, I'm in. It'd be a delight. Uh, and yeah, so that that all happens. And he says something like, uh, Odin, my father always said, a wise king never seeks war. But And she finishes like, but must always be ready for it. And they clash and they fight. Oh, and They fucking badass god fight. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, and then the Asgardians uh, make it to the bridge because of the distraction that Thor is causing. But the bridge is guarded by Hela's giant wolf. Yeah. Uh, so what happens now? Well, Valkyrie is firing at the wolf from the spaceship. Nothing's really happening. Like, that's not working. Uh, and Scourge and the undead army also arrive. So that's not great either. Uh, and Thor and Hela are fighting. And uh, she rips out Thor's eye. <laughs> yeah, that shit was <laughs> intense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She rips out Thor's eye. Uh, happens very quickly. And uh, Banner sees what's going on. And, uh, you know, this entire time he and Valkyrie are acting like, do I know you? Like, I feel like I know you because Hulk and Valkyrie were good friends. Right. Uh, and so Banner is like, okay. You want to know my secret? And he jumps down and, uh, you know, you expect him to be land as the Hulk. Uh, instead, he just like thunks on the rainbow bridge. <laughs> Man, he would definitely be dead. That was, that is such a face first. And the sound effect, cause it's like glass is so good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He, he thunks down there and uh, it looks like Banner just like fucking died. Uh, yeah. and the wolf's like about to just move forward. And then the Hulk like pulls in the wolf's tail and all that right. kind of stuff. And, and Valkyrie is just like, huh? It's such a good reaction when she realizes that, like, oh, that was him the whole time. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Also, a quick shout out to the uh, the shot of like Valkyrie with the uh, cannon giant or dick. whatever. The, the yeah, the giant like dick that's, <laughs> that's yeah. like just really like, really fun. I mean, the, Thor Ragnarok. I think part of the cult around this movie at this point is that it's also like big in the queer community uh, mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I think that's also part of it. Uh, and yeah. so there's a lot of like imagery like that in this movie and all the like rainbow colors that are kind of thrown in there. Uh, I mean, the sh also the shot, I mean, Valkyrie was, I believe confirmed to be like bisexual in the Marvel canon, but like hasn't actually done anything like that in a movie. I think it was in a deleted scene or something like that in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, and I believe they're going to do something like that in Thor Love and Thunder, like whatever that is. Right. It's like sort of implied in that like Valkyrie charge scene that like that she lives because one of them, the other Valkyrie like saves her sort of. And it's like mm, yeah. kind of like a little longing glance thing. You know, the like we can edit this out for China thing they do. <laughs> um, and then now Loki is confirmed bisexual from Loki in the show. Yes. Uh, so it's like just lots of disaster gays going on and or Ragnarok, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely a, an aspect of like why this movie has kind of continued to be popular in the MCU canon for sure. Um, but yeah, so that all happens. Uh, and then Korg actually shows up and he saves Heimdall, uh, yeah. which is great, <laughs> you know? And I love the uh, thing where like Heimdall looks up at the sky and he sees the giant ship and Loki is there and he's like, your savior is here. <laughs> yeah, but I love that Korg says the same thing that he's like, hey man, we're about to get on this big ship. You want to come? Yep. Like it's the same thing he says to Loki. <laughs> Very casual about it. You know, there's a big battle going on, but he's, he's Korg. He's, he's yeah. just chill. He's just chill about it, which is great. Uh, and then Thor, like while he's fighting Hela, uh, has this vision of Odin. She says like, what are you the God of again? Uh, and then he has this vision of Odin where he's like talking to Odin. He's like, father, I failed. It's like, you were a better man than I could ever be. And all that. And he has that line like, what are you? The God of hammers. The hammer was meant to control your power, but you know, you're really, what are you the God of? And then, you know, it cuts back to Helen. She says it again, like, what are you the God of again? And then the lightning starts surging through Thor. Yeah. Immigrant song kicks on again. <laughs> Boom, twice in one movie? <laughs> How could they do it? How could they pull it off? But they do, and uh, yeah, Immigrant Song kicks off, and uh, it's awesome. <laughs> it's yeah, great. That one, that one shot of him, like, jumping to the bridge, and the, like, 
undead army calling on top of each other towards him. Yes. It's the coolest second, besides the dragon, it's the coolest shit ever put on film. It's so, so good. Uh, yeah, so Immigrant Song kicks off. Thor's fighting all these guys with all this like lightning and stuff surging through his body. Hela is still standing. Loki comes up to him and he's like, oh, you should hit it with some lightning. And it's like, I just hit it with the biggest bolt of lightning that's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's still standing. Uh, and then... You know, Thor comes to the realization because of his, like, conversation with his vision with Odin that, uh, you know, Asgard, it's not a place, man. It's a people. It's uh, the people. You know, the the, pla- the place of Asgard ultimately meaningless. You know, it really, we just got to save as many people and our culture as we can. This is also where that shot is of Valkyrie walking up to Thor uh, and all the fireworks going on behind her yeah. from Goldblum's ship, the orgy ship. So fucking cool. <laughs> which is great. And so you have this shot of like Thor and Valkyrie and Loki and Hulk like all standing side by side on the bridge, which is great. Uh, and Thor realizes that uh, that vision of Ragnarok that he had, it wasn't like, you know, a vision of something he had to prevent. It was something he had to cause. That was a prophecy he had to fulfill. He has to destroy Ragnarok. He has to destroy Asgard himself. <laughs> Yeah, and the like the kind of like galaxy brain of all of that is so fucking cool that we must destroy the world or Asgard or whatever because that's where Hela gets all her power from. Exactly. Yeah, she draws power from Asgard, so we have to destroy Asgard and save all the people and relocate them somewhere else. Uh, also, Scourge is hiding among the refugees now. Yes. Um, which because he, he's a coward, he's a, he's a cowardly person. Yeah. Uh, but he's hiding among the refugees and he's seeing all the damage that like he has helped cause and he's feeling guilty about it. Uh, and so then like he has this like big self sacrifice moment where he takes D and, D and Stroy out, you know, his two big machine guns, and he like jumps out of the ship and starts uh, firing off uh, against Hela's undead army and he kills a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, and then Hela kills him. It's cool as shit though when he gets he gets the big like <laughs> wide shot freeze frame him jumping out of the ship with the double machine guns. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, as they're trying to distract Hela a little bit and that buys them some time, Loki heads out to the secret Odin vault, right? And he goes through there and he uh, takes a quick moment to admire the Tesseract, which uh, yeah. that that might play into Infinity War a little bit. <laughs> Got to throw that in there for the next movie. But it also kind of just works as a character moment in this movie too, which is good because you know his history with the Tesseract. Like right. You, you know it from the Avengers and all that kind of stuff. You see him being like, ooh, like, got to grab that. Uh, and then he gets uh, Surtur's uh, crown from uh, earlier in the movie, puts right. it in the eternal flame and like revives Surtur. And uh, now this giant version of Surtur is uh, going around like destroying Asgard. Yeah. I can't believe that's Clancy Brown. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> Mr. So Krabs fun. himself. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so he turns into like, you know, the size of a mountain or whatever he says in the beginning. He's driving his sword through all the town, smashing everything. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember... Does he like just knock Hela into the ocean at this point? I don't remember the exact order of events. There's also like this soft implication that like the Hulk might have taken him, right? Like, because the Hulk launches at him and he's like <laughs> hanging on his thing and he's like getting ready to fight him. Yeah. And the whole, but big monster. But like, it seems like maybe the Hulk could have killed him. <laughs> I think that's definitely a possibility. I mean, one of the things I really like about Infinity War is that uh, it immediately establishes the threat of Thanos um, because he kicks Hulk's ass at the, in the opening yeah. scene of the movie, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and like the entire rest of the movie, Hulk is like afraid to come back out because of how much of an ass whooping he got from Thanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I like that about that movie too. And like, you know, how it establishes the threat of Thanos like almost immediately because you know how fucking strong the Hulk is. And you see that in this movie where they, yeah, he may be, may have been able to take Surtur off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Hulk, for once in your life, don't smash. Yes. Hela fights Surtur while everyone else escapes. Uh, yes. Basically, she like comes out of the ocean and she's like attacking him with her giant spears that she's summoning. And, uh, you know, they get out, everybody else gets off on the, uh, on the ship 
and uh, they see like the fighting happening from a distance. And uh, Korg is like, "Oh, you know, man, we like it's it's a bummer, but yeah, we'll be able to rebuild with a strong foundation." And then Asgard explodes. <laughs> yeah, just like in the Last Jedi. <laughs> With the uh, oh, with the the ship like the the hyperspace thing, yeah, yes. the hyperspace thing, the holdo like maneuver, the, yeah, the holdo maneuver. I couldn't remember what they called it, the holdo maneuver, uh, and it's like the same sound effect, like the <laughs> like the everything just exploding, and he's like, oh no, man, those foundations are gone. Uh, <laughs> so good, yes, uh, and so that that happens, and Asgard's exploded, and we assume that Hela died along with it. Um, they don't show her die on screen, so there was always the potential that uh, Hela might show up again at some point in the future. Yeah, there was always like a little bit or, or there was like a little fan theorying going on, uh, you know, conspiracy board stuff, because yeah. in the comics for the Infinity Gauntlet, like Thanos is doing all that to impress death. You know, right. Like the character death, which like is sort of what Hela is like the MCU equivalent of. She's the goddess of death. Yeah. The goddess of death. Yeah. So people were like, is she going to come back and be the reason Thanos was doing this and all that? And but that they didn't try to touch that weird shit that's like John Cusack with a boombox in front of uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they don't they do not do that in the MCU, but I, I, that, that is a direction they could have gone. Like I, yeah, I, it was, I was fully possible. expecting Hela to at least play a part in those movies, mm-hmm. uh, and she never did. Um, so, But you know, you never know. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it seems like she's pretty dead. Asgard exploded. Yeah. But also, we've seen her survive a lot of stuff in this movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. one moment in that, like, fight where she's fighting all of Asgard, the big army of Asgard, that she gets, like, stabbed through the stomach and then just, like, waves it off. <laughs> Yeah, just like pulls the sword out and keeps moving. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anything can happen. She could still be alive. Who knows? But as of right now, she is dead uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, and anyway, so Asgard explodes, and uh, you know they're all hanging out in the spaceship, and uh, Thor kind of takes his seat. He's like Captain Kirk now uh, for yeah. Asgard. He's like takes the seat at the, at the head of the ship, and he's like now officially claimed his title as the King of Asgard. It's got like the like the Star Wars moment, right? A little bit. They're all kind of standing around him, sort of like the, the medal ceremony. It's yep. all the me- everybody's back. Yes, and uh, Kork has that moment where. He's like, he's like, oh, don't don't ask me, man. Oh, Meek died. He's he's in the yeah. fight. He, I accidentally stomped on him uh, during the fighting, and uh, you know he he died. I just been carrying around because uh, I didn't really know what to do with him. And then <laughs> and then like Meek kind of flaps around. It's like, oh, Meek, you're alive. Hey, he's alive, everybody. <laughs> Justice for Meek. Uh, and then like right after that, like Thor's is like, all right, Earth, it is then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad will happen. Uh, cut to black. Yes. Yeah. They cut to black. They cut to credits. They do their thing. Then, of course, there's a couple of post credit scenes because this is an MCU movie. There's a mid credit scene uh, where Thor and Loki are kind of talking about uh, going back to Earth. And Loki's like, are you sure it's a good idea for me to go back to Earth? And Thor's like, well, we'll figure something out. And then Thanos' ship arrives. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Which I remember watching this in the theater being like, which ship is that? Uh, like <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not immediately recognizing that it's Thanos' ship. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you haven't been shown his ship in the movies yet. Uh, okay. So Good. I, I feel better about that. Yeah. This is the first time you're seeing that. I mean, really uh, up to this point, and I, I think they could have done a better job of this throughout the whole MCU up to infinity war and Endgame. but like infinity war has to do a lot to establish Thanos as a threat because he's really only in the post credit scenes of the Avengers, the post credit scene of Avengers age of Ultron, uh, and a couple of scenes of guardians of the galaxy. His imposing nature plays into Guardians 2 because of, like, you know, the relationship between Gamora and Nebula, but he's not in that movie. Um, so Infinity War has to do a lot, especially because he has to get most of the Infinity Stones in that movie, too. Right, yeah. Uh, and so I think the strength of Infinity War is it does kind of t- almost play from Thanos' perspective. He's the one that has an arc in that movie. And so it's got that going for it in terms of, like, establishing Thanos as a threat. I think they do a pretty good job of establishing him as a good threat in that movie and in Endgame. But, uh, yeah, when Thor when his ship shows up in Thor Ragnarok, like if you didn't already know that like you know Thanos is coming that's just a ship that's just a big spaceship 
big scary ship. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the mid credit scene, and then the post credit scene uh, is Goldblum. Goldblum popping up once again, and uh, it's after the revolution has happened on Sakar, and uh, he pops up in the trash uh, where like Thor landed earlier in the movie, and right. he's surrounded by those scavengers that uh, were hunting for Thor. Like has this like moment where he's like negotiating with the scavengers, like, oh yes, yes, very good show. You know, I, I think we all played our parts equally well. Uh, can't have a revolution without somebody to overthrow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, I just, I gotta say, I'm proud of you all. This revolution has been a huge success. Yay us. Pat, pat on the back. Pat on the back. Come on. No? Me too, because I've been a, a big part of it. Can't have a revolution without somebody to overthrow. So, uh, you're welcome. And uh, it's a tie. Cut to black, <laughs> which is great. A good like final moment for Goldblum as the Grandmaster in this movie. Yeah, and I'm sure you know that's kind of the ambiguous part of that. It seems like he's about to get killed. Uh, I'm sure. I guess he's back. Maybe I don't know. I mean, he hasn't shown up in anything like. I mean, unless Team Daryl is canon, which I very much doubt. No, but I mean, um, you know, if the rumors are true about Thor: Love and Thunder, right? Yeah, that's also true. So yeah, he uh, could theoretically. Uh, he's supposed to pop up in Gold in in Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, I'm guessing it's for a cameo. Could be a flashback. You know, who who knows what it mm-hmm. is? Uh, but we will see uh, what happens there. But uh, anyway, that is Thor: Ragnarok. We did it. And uh, it's two hours in now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in typical Mike and Mike talking about Marvel, we went forever. We went too long. <laughs> Yes, yeah. indeed. Almost as long as a Marvel movie uh, tends to tends to run. Yeah, yeah, we're closing in. <laughs> that is that is my girlfriend's number one complaint about uh, the Marvel movies as, as we're watching them. I is thought that, you were going to say about the podcast. Oh yeah, well that too, uh, that too. I, she's actually she's making dinner right now, and I think it's ready. So we got to like wrap this up. <laughs> All right, speed it up. Very. So what did the poetic critic have to say? Yeah, the letterbox reviews for Thor Ragnarok. Here we go. It's a three and a half star review for the poetic critic. Uh, Beyond the rainbow, wild, witty, and wonderful. So who needs Asgard? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah, one there. I like it. Like that one. Here's a five star review from Nancy. It's so crazy that Taika Waititi found the MCU, passed out in a gutter, and single handedly revived it, pumped its stomach, and brought it back in full health. I can't believe he then went on to adopt it, raise it as his own, and set it out into the world to flourish as the supreme superhero universe. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a three star review from uh, David Ehrlich, uh, film critic for IndieWire. Uh, and I think this is a portion of his review from 2017. Thor Ragnarok is one of those Marvel movies with the hero's journey and the handsome and the jokes and the infinite CG and the cameos and the underwritten villain and the hordes of anonymous goons. And wasn't this one supposed to be at least a little bit different? (laughs) (laughs) In my infinite naivete, I was hoping this would be a Taika Waititi movie produced by Marvel and not just a Marvel movie directed by Taika Waititi. Oh, well, there are worse things. It's cute to see Marvel flirt with genre, a genre other than their own, at least. Uh, But one of these days, they've got to commit. Kate Blanchett may be wasted, but she makes for a delightful goddess of death. Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum, and that's fun. Uh, Parts of the film made me feel like I was watching a feature-length adaptation of the cover art from a Meatloaf album, which, sure. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a pretty lukewarm take for all the stuff that we love. (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty lukewarm take. I mean, David Ehrlich is somebody who uh, has not generally been into the Marvel movies Mm. for the most part. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But uh, here's a four-star review from Kate. Uh, Marvel, God, we really need someone to revive the Thor franchise. Taika Waititi, walking into Marvel HQ while holding Jeff Goldblum in his arms, bridal style. (laughs) Um, You rang? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Here's a four-star review from Indy. Kate Blanchett, if you're reading this, impale me with those horns. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a five-star review from Dirk H. 80s-laced, Technicolor-induced, Jeff Goldblum-spiced, deadpan bonkers, reverse origin story. Taika Waititi should make all Marvel movies from now on. (laughs) I'm into it. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, he's going to at least make one more with Thor Love and Thunder, uh, which is coming out this year. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I can't believe that that's happening. 
I feel so disconnected from the Marvel news yeah. that I didn't know that was coming out this June. Yeah, uh, July, July, it's July. coming out now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I, I also sort of feel like I'm definitely not as like connected to it as I used to be. Where I used to be like, all right, I had like all the release dates memorized. I had like yeah. you know this, this, and this. And now I'm just like, you know, I, I'm still watching everything, but it's more just like, oh yeah, as it comes, I'll I'll watch mm-hmm. it. Like I, I feel like I don't have that sense of like huge anticipation anymore because I get so much of it now. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of all the baseline same fine. So it's just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, fine to good. I, I think there is a lot oh, of yeah, like, yeah. good stuff in there, yeah. It, it's like, yeah, okay. It's just a, it's just a, a uh, expected thing now. Every X number of months, a new Marvel thing will come out, and it'll be pretty good, probably. And I'll watch it, and it'll be pretty good, and I'll enjoy it, and uh, we'll spend way too much time talking about it on a podcast, is Correct. <laughs> how it'll work. <laughs> All right, so uh, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, even without the guest that we had planned, we ran for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you could do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, uh, plural, because we have two podcasts. Yes, we can. You can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and interview the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at GoldbloomPod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts about comic books, movie news, and all that good stuff. And uh, our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. Join us on the next Complete Works. It is time for Jeff Goldblum to pop up in his third Wes Anderson movie. Uh, but this time, it's animated. We've got an, an animated Anderson joint here. 2018's Isle of Dogs, which I have seen. Mike has not. Is that correct, Mike? Incorrect. I have seen it. Oh, you have seen Isle of Dogs. Okay, yes. fair enough. Well, you'll watch it again uh, for the yeah. Golden Podcast. I thought you hadn't seen it for some reason. Um, uh, I remember doing it in that kind of uh, top 10, I have to cram in these 20 movies I didn't ah, see this year yes. watch. That was part of the homework for that year. Yeah, fair enough. So Jeff Goldblum plays one of the five main dogs in Isle of Dogs, and uh, we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, This week, it might might go to the movies. Really cool one. We talked to the Adams Family about their new film, Hellbender, which is now available on Shudder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really fun episode. So definitely, definitely check that out this week. Yeah, definitely check out that podcast and also check out Hellbender because it rules. Uh, Hell yeah. High recommend on that one. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And remember to go for the Goldblum. (laughs) 